Rebel Force Radio was part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is Rebel Force Radio. Your source for the Force. Star Wars news and commentary. With Jason Swank and Jimmy Mack. I've seen Star Wars 500 times. Star Wars number one. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. Now it's time for Rebel Force Radio. We would be honored if you would join us. Well, welcome to the party. For those of you in the UK, Disney Plus launching this week already. Five million app downloads. What do you think I was going to say? Welcome to the party. You, oh, you thought I was going to talk about the big lockdown. Nah. Let's the forget about in it. Place. No, 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 no. I'm talking about Disney Plus. Finally. Months after it launches here in the United States, and uh, where else got it? We, we, U.S. got it, uh, and uh, several other. I think Canada had it. Regions uh, got it. Canada, uh, yeah. But uh, this was a big week. March twenty fourth was uh, when we saw it debut in the U.K., Ireland, Austria, Germany, Italy, Spain, Switzerland, just in time because you know. We're all sitting around our houses these days. Yeah. And in those markets, in those markets, Disney Plus was downloaded. The app was downloaded five million times. And that's according to the uh, analytics firm App Annie. So if you're wanting to track your app and how many times it's been downloaded, look no further, apparently, than App Annie. Yeah. They've got all the answers. We so use Little Orphan Party Mandalorian. App Annie. Little Orphan Ooh. App Annie. Sorry. Yeah, that's right. I, I just yeah, derailed Annie. everything. Can we start the show over again? I want to take the Andy All right, let's start it over. Well, what, Can we yeah. just start over? No, come on. We're Little here. It's Rebel Force Radio. So happy. No. Hey, hey, COVID nothing. We're here to talk about Star Wars and take your mind off of all that crap for the next couple of hours. And let's immerse ourselves in the galaxy far, far away. We have, a, we have an amazing way to do that. And you talk about... A ray of sunshine, yes. a ray of light. This is what we need. And energy and all things positive. You know who we have coming up on the show this week? Yeah, Ashley Eckstein, Ahsoka Tano, yeah. is going to be joining us in the cantina here Woo. in just a few moments. So that's huge. That's huge. If, if, if anybody, if anyone can make the sun come out tomorrow, it is Ahsoka Tano, <laughs> Ashley Eckstein, longtime friend of us here at Rebel Force Radio. It's going to be great to check in with her. Of course, everybody is wondering what her reaction is to the news. Uh, we can't say it's 100% confirmed, but major credible media outlets are talking about Rosario Dawson being cast as 
Ahsoka Tano, a character originated by Ashley Eckstein, in season two of The Mandalorian. But why don't we just get right to it? I think we need to go right directly into the cantina. I'm thirsty. You're thirsty. We're all thirsty for the uh, incredible good joy that is brought to us by none other than our friend, Ashley Eckstein, Ahsoka Tano. So let's go right now in the cantina. The name's Ahsoka Tano. Rebel Force Radio presents... Where are you going, Master? For a drink. Sorry about the mess. You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. We must be cautious. Well, Ashley Eckstein, it is always wonderful to have you with us here at Rebel Forest Radio. We go way back. Way back oh, to the yeah. early days of uh, Clone Wars. With the Clone Wars movie coming out. How long has that been? Is that, what, 12 years? Oh, yes. Well, if, I'm not sure if you guys remember, uh, but it's been 12 years. But my very first interview was with you guys. Oh, so yes. I, I, I feel like no season of The Clone Wars uh, would be complete without having a chat with you guys oh. because, you know, it, it all started with you. <laughs> well, I think it's that- crazy. I've, I've been listening to some older tapes and we actually released both your interview with Jason, which was your very first Ahsoka interview. And then I talked to you and you did your very first in-person one-on-one Ahsoka interview with me at your very first ever convention. And uh, David crashed. Yeah. Yeah. Back in 2008 in Texas. And uh, David was standing around there too. And uh, we pulled him into the interview as well, because uh, while a lot of people weren't noticing that the 2006 World Series MVP was standing behind you as you were signing autographs, his uh, presence was not lost on me at all. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Well, you know, I'm a big baseball (laughs) fan, so. I, I, I am honored that, um, you know, that we're, we're still chatting to this day, but I'm honored that, uh, it was the, you know, you guys were my first two interviews. That's, that's very cool. Very cool. And also David, thanks you for, uh, (laughs) for noticing. (laughs) Well, we love David. I've always, I've always been a big fan of his going back to, uh, when he hit the league with the Angels way back when. So he's always been a great guy, and I've always cheered for him. But um, I, I know Jason, is he's, he's got, holding back. He's got a bunch of oh, questions I, I to do. ask, but I'm going to sneak one in here. I'm going to sneak one in here right at the beginning. It has nothing to do with uh, you, Ashley, or Clone Wars, or Ahsoka. I want to know, because the second crazy baby Yoda entered our lives, I thought to myself, Ashley must love this. <laughs> so tell us what you think about Baby Yoda. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I mean, I guess who doesn't love Baby Yoda? Um, I, you know, I, I feel like the whole world has fallen in love with Baby Yoda. I feel like if you don't like Baby Yoda, then you probably need to look in the mirror and, and figure out what what's wrong with you. That's <laughs> Rethink right. your life. That's right. right. <laughs> no, I mean it's it's um it's here's what I'll say. It's it's really been an exciting thing um just for Star Wars fandom. Uh you know, it's it's kind of one a baby Yoda I feel like has brought everyone together. Uh and it's also brought new fans into the franchise, which is always very exciting cuz Star Wars is um, you know, such a such a, a a positive thing that, you know, really 
it helps so many people and um, to introduce, you know, especially a new generation to Star Wars. It's always an exciting thing. Well, I think that there is a sort of a kinship in a way between Baby Yoda and Ahsoka Tano. I think they both represent uh, major leaps of faith by the creators behind Star Wars because uh, Baby Yoda could have gone south. It could have, if, if it had it leaked before we met the character properly, uh, people could have gotten, uh, uh, you know, a, a, an opinion about it before they even saw it. And with Ahsoka, people got kind of an opinion about Ahsoka before they saw the character grow and become really what it is. Certainly outside of the films themselves, I think the most popular Star Wars character, if you look outside of the, of the films proper, by far. Oh, well, you know, thank you so much. Obviously, I'm a bit biased, um, <laughs> but but I I will say where I feel so fortunate with Ahsoka um, is the fact that we've had all of these years to uh, to get to know her and to explore, you know, uh, hundreds of hours of stories with her. Um, you know, we've had 12 years. Of, of getting to know Ahsoka, you know, through, uh, you know, the Star Wars of Clone Wars back when it was on Cartoon Network and then Star Wars Rebels. Uh, and then, you know, we've got, we've had Forces of Destiny. We've had the Ahsoka book. We've had video games. Um, you know, then we had it on Netflix and now Disney Plus and then the new season on Disney Plus And then also not to mention uh, Rise of Skywalker. We've had all oh, of these yes. stories. Um, to get to know Ahsoka. And, you know, very few characters in the Star Wars universe have had that much character development. Mm -hmm. So if you think mm -hmm. about it, it's like, you know, she is, I would say, probably one of the most well-developed characters in Star Wars because we've had that much time with her. Yes. And, you know, what surprises me is that there's never been a regular monthly Ahsoka comic book. So I just want to throw that out there, maybe put that into yeah, the universe and see if that can happen. And and Ashley, will you will you call us up and read it to us every week? Yes. Every month when I <laughs> yes. I love that idea. I love that idea. Um, but, you know, Ahsoka is uh, going to be pushing forward into the future. The rumors are uh, very strong and have been um, confirmed by uh, major entertainment outlets that uh, Ahsoka is going to be appearing in The Mandalorian. Oh, I thought you were going to ask her about Michael Bean being in The Mandalorian. <laughs> I, how did no, the, no, uh, no, oh, the Rosario Dawson got up here at the top of the list. All right. Yeah, Rosario <laughs> Dawson. And uh, there's been a, a huge outpouring of fan support saying Rosario is fine, but uh, Ashley is our Ahsoka. And uh, Ashley, I'm not sure if you've really had the opportunity to uh, talk about this where uh, people are actually hearing your voice and uh, hearing the comments coming out of your mouth. But uh, is there anything you want to say to our listeners about all of this that's been going down lately? Well, you know, I do encourage um, fans. I, I posted um, posted something to my Instagram page, which I, I do have a personal Instagram page now, which is just at Ashley Eckstein. Um, and, I, you know, I, I, I said it so much more eloquently there than I, you know, probably will say right now, um, because truthfully, I'm just so humbled and in awe and I'm, I find it hard to find my words uh, with just how appreciative I am of everyone's 
kindness and and all of their kind messages. Um, you know, I the truth is. I am not a part of the Mandalorian and I, I haven't been a part of the Mandalorian. So it's truly not anything I can, I can speak to because I can't speak to something that I'm not a part of. Um, however, I, you know, I'm will always be grateful for more Ahsoka stories. And I, you know, again, I'm just one part of a team of people that it takes to bring Ahsoka to life. So, um, you know, I, uh, final decisions are not mine to make, but at the end of the day, um, any new Ahsoka stories are always met with excitement, uh, from me. Um, but the thing that I can talk about is just, I, I really am speechless by just the outpouring of messages and kindness, um, from, from Star Wars fans, uh, across the world. Uh, and I just want to thank everyone. I've, I've, I've read, you know, uh, so many of the comments, uh, thousands of comments at this point, and I'm still reading them. Uh, and I, I, I'm blown away. Uh, I've been in, I, I can tell you, I've been in tears pretty much, uh, ever since Friday, uh, oh. purely tears of, of just, well, it, it must be a real trip for you, Ashley, because yeah. because of the fact that, you know, you you pushed through uh, early days of portraying that character when when fans were maybe not quite as receptive as you as you wished that they were. And now, 12 years later, to have the exact opposite where, you know, the, the, the pitchforks and torches come out because they want you, except no substitute, they want you as their Ahsoka Tano in Star Wars. I mean, what a, what a, what a, a journey that character and you have had with it. Well, you're, you're very kind. I think, you know, to me, from day one, I realized, I realized that I had won the lottery by getting cast as as Ahsoka, and I I didn't know why it was me. I didn't know why I was chosen for this privilege, but I realized it was a privilege, and it was a privilege to be a part of the Star Wars universe, and it was one that I do not take lightly, and it was one that I made a pledge that I was going to wake up every single day and try to do what's right by you know, by Ahsoka and do what's right, you know, by Star Wars fans. And I just wanted to be the best reflection I could possibly be of all that is good in Star Wars. And, you know, I, I again, I think reading these comments, I, I was in tears because I was so humbled by everyone's stories and messages that they shared. And what I read just, and again, the thousands of comments that I've been reading and to hear how Ahsoka has, you know, uh, has helped them and how Ahsoka has changed their life. And, you know, it's, it's humbling in a way that I just, it, it blew my mind. And I just want to let everyone know if I, if I, like, I feel like I can't accurately find my words to let everyone know how much I care that literally when they share their stories with me, I, they, they mean so much to me and I don't forget them. When I see people in person, I want to know, how are you doing? How, what is the follow-up? I mean, somebody literally shared with me that they were contemplating suicide last year and, you know, Ahsoka, 
when they came to my Instagram page and my stories of hope and, and, and Ahsoka caused them to sit, to, to like save their life. Oh, wow. To, to me, this is bigger. This is, this is way bigger than <laughs> any, you know, than any casting decision or any, you know, uh, opportunity of whether I got to play this or not. That that's not what it's about for me anymore. This is about, you know, really spreading messages of, of hope and light and love. And as long as I get to continue to do that as the voice of Ahsoka, and as long as Ahsoka will continue to do that with her stories, well, then you know what? I am happy. And, and I'm yeah. just so darn blessed to be a part of this universe. And I, oh, I, and I thank everyone for their messages. Well, we certainly have been blessed to have you. And um, we, uh, we love you. I, I mean, if I can put myself in a position where I could speak on behalf of the Star Wars fan base, which I know I, I can't actually like siphon everyone's opinions through me. Palpatine style. You have all of the Sith or all I do. of the I have Jedi all the Sith. in you I have right all the now. Jedi. Oh, and, <laughs> hey, and we'll get to Rise of Skywalker in just a minute. Right. But I just want to say, I mean, we, we truly do love in, and appreciate you and, and, and believe in you because we believe in Ahsoka. And we believe you are Ahsoka. Ashley, were you blindsided by this news? <laughs> uh, you know, I, 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 I was... Uh, I, 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 I wasn't expecting Friday to happen. (laughs) (laughs) There you are minding your own business. And this happens. I don't think the Disney (laughs) company was, was either. The news didn't come to us via official announcement. It came to us via a leak. And, uh, you know, some of that stuff is, it can be manufactured and some of it actually happens naturally. So maybe, uh, the opportunity to give you the heads up was never in the cards. And, uh, so it it does sound like you were surprised. I, I, I will say though, I, um, again, I can't, I can't speak to any rumors. I, I really, I, 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 I I can't I can't speak to something that I'm not a part of. Exactly. It's just it's it's, no, it's really no. like I I you know it's it's and I I wouldn't do that anyway. Uh, yeah. That's that's just not how I operate. Um, however, I will say what it has given me the opportunity to do. Again, there's always kind of like this light at the end of the tunnel, or uh, you make <laughs> you make lemonade out of lemons is what it has opened up is just a conversation about Ahsoka and a conversation mm-hmm. about Clone Wars. And it's so funny because I I had no, and I talked about this on Instagram in my message, uh, when we were recording Clone Wars a year ago, you know, we don't get to keep our scripts. And, um, you know, we have to, we get them 24 hours ahead of time and then we have to leave them in the studio when we leave. So so oftentimes I forget what I say in the episode until I watch it because we don't Mm -hmm. get to keep them. Um, but there was a line that just, it struck me and I broke the rules and I took a screenshot just of that line. Um, and it was, you know, it was in the trailer, uh, but I'm going to bring it up for you now. Um, oh, forgive me. I'm, I'm, uh, trying to find it in my favorites. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was in the trailer, the Ahsoka one, but this, this was the line, how I recorded it. And I think it's slightly different. We must've done a pickup, but, um, 
the line was, in my life, when you find people who need your help, you help them no matter what. I guess it's just who I am. Mm. And when I recorded that, I, I was just like, oh my gosh, I that's going to be my motto for 2020 when this season comes out. And I want that to be you know, kind of what I do with the platform that I get for Clone Wars. And I know you guys will appreciate this, um, but, you know, a little George Lucas story from when we used to, uh, you know, previously when we made the Clone Wars, when, you know, George still owned Star Wars, you know, pretty much every premiere event, we he would want to tie it to a charity, whether it was the Boys and Girls Club or whether it was Make-A-Wish Foundation. And once I asked, I said, why why do we do that? I was just curious. And, you know, what they shared with me was that it was really important to George to, you know, if, if, if they were going to do a big event, you know, he wanted to tie it to a charity to do good for a charity. And that touched me so much that, you know, he didn't have to do that, but he did. It was important to him to always give back. And, um, so my little ode to George Lucas was, you know, I, with this new season of The Clone Wars, I wanted to take that line and I wanted to use my platform to do good and to help people. And um, obviously, fast forward to now, uh, nobody foresaw the coronavirus coming and what is happening. And when this trailer dropped and that line was in the trailer, I got chills. Mm, and I yeah. thought, oh my gosh, like this is not no longer like my personal motto this line represents right. all of us i mean the only way and we will get through this we will get through this but we have to get through this by helping each other yep. and you know leave it to ahsoka literally <laughs> leave it to ahsoka that in the middle of a worldwide pandemic ahsoka is spreading hope and so what happened with this rumor dropping and just kind of the shock that came with it what happened was it opened up a huge conversation about Ahsoka and it's allowed me to talk about Ahsoka and talk about Clone Wars and talk about what she represents, which represents hope. It's allowed me to talk about helping people no matter what. And to me, I look at it now as just really, I, I might've been surprised, <laughs> but uh, now I look at it as again, such a huge blessing because now a lot of people may be hearing about Ahsoka for the first time and they're hearing about her message of help and hope. Ashley, speaking oh my of that, God, that you, is amazing. Ashley, you are amazing. Can I just say that? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm being a little bit gushy. I'm a little overwhelmed and I'm being very unprofessional. When I say, Ashley, you are amazing. You just blew my mind right there. Jason has something um, important to ask you, though. Well, no, I, I, I guess I, I wanted to ask that because of, you know, your unique position uh, in the Star Wars universe and 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 breaking a character. I think you have a very unique viewpoint of what it takes to break a character, just like a, a record label would break a new artist into the industry. You broke a character into a universe that has very, a, a, a very opinionated fan base. Um, as you saw the Disney era of star Wars take hold and new characters emerge um, did you ever have a chance to talk to uh, any of the any of the actors or any of the uh, creatives about what it takes to 
break a character into the Star Wars universe and sort of give them the time to develop, etc.? Or at, at the very least, were you able to relate to what they might have been going through being thrust into this universe? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And, and actually, uh, I did get to do that uh, pretty much with the cast of Star Wars Rebels. Um, you know, thankfully, you know, being a part of Star Wars Rebels, uh, you know, I, I got to really work with them, um, before Star Wars Rebels really became what it, what it is. And, um, in many ways, you know, I started out in the Clone Wars as a Padawan and, um, then in Star Wars Rebels, I came back, you know, as Ahsoka, I came back as this well-seasoned, you know, uh, leader of the rebellion. Survivor. And, uh, yeah, survivor. survivor. And, you know, I was able to come into, uh, you know, the recording sessions and conventions with the Star Wars Rebels cast as like a veteran. And I did. Yeah. I got to help them and answer their questions and, and give them warnings and give them guidance. And, you know, um, Stay now it's away so funny. from Rebel Force Radio. Stay <laughs> no. away from Rebel Force Radio. No, I never Especially said that, that Jason Swank. Oh my gosh. No, no, no. I, I never said that. Um, but I, I will say, uh, you know, Vanessa Marshall, um, I really bonded specifically with Vanessa. Um, and she is, she is Hera. Like she is, you know, the Star Wars Rebels cast, they're very, very close. Her Vanessa is like the, the mom of, of the, of the, you know, Star Wars Rebels crew, the ghost crew. And she still keeps everyone together and they, you know, there's cast dinners and, but, um, you know, she wasn't. Like she kind of grew into that role just mm. as Hera grew into that role. So it's been really cool. It's been really cool to kind of play that veteran uh, member of the crew. But they're they're no longer rookies anymore. They're <laughs> they're veterans in their own right now. But um, but yeah, it's been fun to kind of like share a bit of wisdom, I guess you could say, after being I've been a part of the Star Wars universe now for 14 years. Amazing. And I remember when we were talking at your very first ever convention in Dallas, um, you kept saying, you kept reassuring me it will get better. <laughs> and I already thought it was good to begin with. I, I was one that was already on board from the beginning, but you kept saying, Hey, don't worry fans. It's going to get better. And, and really you uh, would always talk about how you're going to witness Ahsoka's growth throughout the process and everything. And I'll be damned if, if you told 100% the truth and I'm, I'm really blown away by it. Um, just last night I was watching a season four episode, a friend in need. And I really have to recommend, that to all Star Wars fans for a little refresher about what an incredible fighter Ahsoka is. She really takes on these Mandalorians and kicks their butts in such amazing fashion. That, of course, is the famous episode where in one move, Ahsoka, with two sabers, decapitates four Mandalorian warriors. It's incredibly <laughs> brutal, and I love every minute of it. And... Uh, and uh, there was uh, Ahsoka there uh, fighting harder than just about any Jedi I've ever seen. Do you remember that episode? Do you have uh, any I, any thoughts about that? It was so long ago. You know what? I do have to go back and watch that episode, so I can't speak to the specifics of it. But it's funny you bring that moment up because that is one of my favorite uh, like Ahsoka moments. As brutal as it is, it's truly it one is of my brutal. favorite Ahsoka <laughs> moments because she's just so kick butt. 
It's it's mm-hmm. crazy. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's when I think that was the moment where I was like, wow. Ahsoka is just come so far and she is really like her, you know, almost like the Padawan's gone. Ahsoka's her own, you know, her own Jedi now. I really started to feel that when they gave Ahsoka the new character model, the new animated model, it was probably about midway through season three and, uh, and gone was the, um, the, the, the tube top. Which, yeah. uh, quite honestly, uh, you know, I, I, I never felt she was battle-ready in a tube top. <laughs> um, so when they gave Ahsoka that, that, cooler, that cooler gear to wear, it just felt like she had also matured a lot, too. And I think that came through the character loud and clear. And then a, a season later, she's decapitating four Mandalorians in one move. And uh, <laughs> what, what a fist pump moment that is. I mean, uh, it, it's just, and it's incredible too. I just, I sat there and I watched it. I was like, oh my God, I, I can't believe that was um, in an animated show for kids too. You know, it, it just seemed to be. Too amazing I, and too awesome. <laughs> I'll tell I'll tell you what. If you go back and watch some of like the Savage Opress stuff, um, I yeah. can't believe that was a show for kids. It, it's pretty. Uh, I, it's pretty intense. <laughs> it's good stuff. It's good stuff. But that's the thing that the Clone Wars did so well. Yeah, exactly. It 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 got it right because it was Star Wars that parents and kids could enjoy together, and that's what Star yeah. Wars has has been from the beginning, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, wow, what an edge that episode has to it. I have to recommend it. A Friend in Need, it features uh, Ahsoka and uh, Lux Bonteri, her on and off again uh, romantic uh, connection there. And, uh, and, and Lux is uh, hunting Death Watch for the uh, murder of his mother. Um, so uh, it, it's pretty intense. It's pretty intense stuff. Now, Ashley, you talk about, you know, the... 14 years you've been involved in this and you've recorded countless hours uh, of voice over work as, as Ahsoka Tano. Um, but this last season, season seven, which is now unfolding on Disney plus, I think we've got episode two coming up this week of the, what we're calling the Ahsoka arc, a whole four episodes that it's dedicated to uh, Ahsoka's journey. And, were these particular episodes, were these ones that you recalled recording? Were these ones you were particularly pleased are getting to see uh, total completion and release out there? Do you, do you recall working on these particular episodes that are... Uh, or is it all new stuff? Yeah, I right. Mean, we really don't well, know. Is this some new stuff? Yes. So uh, we're, we've already... So the, basically, the of the 12 episodes that are going to be on Disney plus uh, you know, the first four were the bad batch, which were amazing. Shout out to D Bradley Baker, who is literally a genius. Incredible. Um, yes, absolute genius. Um, and then the next four are Ahsoka with, you know, the two new characters, Trace and Rafa. And then the final four are the siege of Mandalore. Um, so these, these first four with, uh, Ahsoka and these two new characters, Trace and Rafa, um, they, they are stories that we were working on before. Um, so these, these stories were always meant to be told. We, we did work on them years ago. However, they were reworked 
for um, the new season on Disney+. Plus. So if you go back, I forget which panel I said it on, but at some point we talked about these episodes in the past. And, um, you know, the characters were actually different. Um, there was mm-hmm. a, a male character named Nick Sokami. And, you know, I joked that Ahsoka got a boyfriend for a hot second. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and uh, this is just my opinion. I wasn't super fond of the boyfriend moment. Um, not that Ahsoka wouldn't have a boyfriend, but it just... Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't your heart know. belongs I, to Lux. We know your heart well, belongs yeah, to Lux. Lux. What about Lux Monteri? I was just talking about him, and you already I forgot know. about him. I know. Well, to me, I don't know. I've never. I, in, in my mind, it's like Ahsoka doesn't have doesn't have time for a boyfriend. Uh, you know, yeah. it's just like she, there were so many other things to do. Um, I, no, that again, that is purely like my opinion. I this is this is why I shouldn't write Star Wars, you know, uh, episodes. Um, no, maybe this but, is why you should. Yeah. I don't know. I you know you got my vote. I'll yeah. put you in that writer's room in two seconds if the call is mine. Yeah. Well, um, but. Uh, but so I don't know. You, you're going to have to ask Dave why, you know, uh, the characters changed and, and now we have Trace and Rafa because I, 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 I don't know that part. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say I love the characters Trace and Rafa and I love what we're about to see. I love the story of friendship. I love the story of helping each other. Again, you know, the line that I, you know, took on as my, as my motto, I think it's in the third episode. It's either in the second or the third episode of this arc. Um, but it's just, these episodes are meant to represent, you know, Ahsoka right after she leaves, because we do need, you can't just jump from her walking away straight into the siege of Mandalore. You do need to kind of see Ahsoka on her own and what she's doing, what she's thinking. You got to see that struggle because all she knows is the Jedi temple. That's all she knows. You know, Plo Koon found her when she was so young. And so all she knows is the Jedi Temple and then obviously Anakin Skywalker and, and you know, all of their and, you know, being a Jedi and all of their adventures. Um, but she doesn't know anything else. So I think we have to see that that part of her journey before we can get to Siege mm. of Mandalore. And it's kind of like what I asked people in the beginning. I asked people to go on this journey with her. And I, I know everyone wants to get to Siege of Mandalore, but trust me, y- you got to watch this part because it'll make the Siege of Mandalore even more powerful. Like it's, it's just part of her journey. We, we need this part. Yeah. Well, I'm so happy that you and Dave Filoni and all the creatives behind the Clone Wars can bring this series to proper closure. And I, you know, I I thought I always felt like those lost missions did a pretty good job, but it failed in continuing Ahsoka's story and bringing us to a satisfying end as far as her role in the Clone Wars themselves. I knew when she walked away from the Jedi Temple that her involvement in the Clone Wars wasn't necessarily over at that moment. And I was saying that to myself last Friday when I watched Ahsoka return in the latest episode of uh, the Clone Wars, and uh, I, I couldn't believe that it's been so long since 2013 
since we've seen an episode of the Clone Wars featuring Ahsoka. We finally see what happens after she walks down those steps and leaves the temple for good. And I, I can't believe that uh, the, the opportunity is now being provided to you guys. And it's great for Filoni and for you to put closure, you know, in a certain sense. Star Wars is ongoing and will continue to be so. But as far as the Clone Wars era goes, I'm so happy that it's you guys who are really going to have the final word on it. Uh, the guys who've been there since day one. Well, uh, thank you. Thank you. It's, it's, really, it's really such a gift that we got to properly you know, give the series the finale it deserves. Um, but I have to give a shout out to the fans, because this is the honest truth. This really is the honest truth. If it weren't for the fans using the hashtag Save the Clone Wars, we're not here today talking about these episodes. And I've heard multiple people behind the scenes reference that. And and I I truly have to give you know credit to the fans because even me, like I am a very positive person. If you guys you know can't tell, um, I, <laughs> no. I, just, I, I try. Yeah, I I you know don't get me wrong. I have my dark side days, but <laughs> you know it's like my my heart and soul at the end of the day just has to look towards the light. It's just you know how I'm made. However, I was so heartbroken when Clone Wars was canceled that I took our show and I put it into a chamber in my heart and I locked the door and I threw away the key because I thought, you know what? I'm, I, I just, I got to protect that moment in time and I don't think we're ever going to get it back. And I said, I, as whenever I would see hashtag save the Clone Wars, I kind of would say like, ugh. You know, God, you know, I, I used to say I'm from the South. So, you know, in the South, we say, bless her heart. I would say. Like, <laughs> I'd be and like, we, bless and we in the Midwest know what that really means. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would see the fans post and I'd be like, bless their hearts. Like, that's never going to happen. And I truly <clears> believe <throat> that it was never going to happen. And I mean, gosh, darn it. I was wrong. And it, and it truly was because the fans never gave up. So I, I really, the credit goes to the fans. And I am so thankful that even though we gave up on this show ever coming back, you know, you guys didn't give up and I'm forever grateful. Well, I, yeah, I, I got you know, Star Wars has a, a strong history of that too. I, I think, uh, it, we will never give it up. You know, we didn't give it up after the original trilogy. <laughs> we didn't give it up after the prequel trilogy. We didn't give it up after the clone wars and we're not going to give it up after the sequel trilogy. Star Wars is going to continue to blaze on forever. And something tells me that even after season seven is over, we're not done hearing the stories of the teenage Ahsoka Tano a character which you 100,000% will own no matter what happens in the future. Teenage Ahsoka is Ashley Eckstein. And I think the adventures are still uh, plentiful and stories are still there to be told for that character in that time frame. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, and I know certainly that... Uh, that uh, uh, your, your uh, supporters will always be beating the drum for something like that. Well, you're, you're very kind. I mean, look, I, it's been my dream for 14 years, you know, ever since I started playing Ahsoka, um, to continue to be Ahsoka in all forms. I mean, my background, 
you know, I did share on my Instagram story, my background is in live action. Like, I, the Clone Wars was my very first voiceover, like, I mean, for crying out loud, you were Buffy. You were Buffy, and that's so Raven. I I mean, (laughs) how you don't have shelves filled with Uh, Emmys for your appearances as Buffy (laughs) on that so Raven. And then, of course, Jan Jan Brady. Jan Brady from the Brady Bunch goes to the White House. Well, Really, you must have a whole room of trophies for that. (laughs) Now, just in case anyone out there is thinking that, that Jimmy is pandering, I can tell you. 100% 100% that he is a full dyed in the wool fan of That's So Raven. And a lot of those <laughs> shows from uh, it's true. <laughs> that era. No, it's no true, kidding. No. Every Saturday, every Saturday, I would find myself on the treadmill at the health club at that moment when That's So Raven was on. And uh, it became a tradition for me to the point where I would actually schedule my workouts around <laughs> That's So Raven. See, uh, I'm not kidding I never knew this about you. Oh, yeah. how, how is this just coming out 12 years later? <laughs> well, that's, I appreciate you know, I, I, am, I, am, I am a huge That's So Ravens fan. Oh. And uh, I, I, often, uh, I often take heat from Mr. Swank because he doesn't recognize the genius of That's So Raven. I'll, I'll, I really need to have some talks with You got to listen to his That's So Raven podcast if you really want to get the inside <laughs> scoop. <laughs> It's called That's So Podcast. And uh, so That's it is. Awesome. Yeah, the, 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 well. the Raven cast. Yeah. But no, I mean, I loved you in that. I've loved you in everything I've seen you in. I, you know, I was just yeah. talking to a Star Wars fan the other day, and they brought up uh, Blue Collar TV to me. And, oh, yeah. Uh, that was you did very early on in your career when you were a, a drain and not an Eckstein. And, yeah. uh, you know, you've, you've had, you've had uh, an amazing support foundation for everything you've done through your whole career. But of course, Ahsoka does it all. You got so much stuff going on. Her universe is still going strong. You have a book called it's our universe. Tell us about that. Uh, well, I, so I, again, I'm so grateful for all the opportunities being the voice of Ahsoka has given me. And it's, you know, it's given me the opportunity to write. It's actually called it's your universe. Um, you have the power to make it happen. And it's a step-by-step guide on how to make your dreams come true. Um, you know, on how to dream it and do it. And so I share my story, but really I just share my story as an example of here's what I did. Here's why I did it. And here's how you can do it too. And so it's, it's also like part journal where, um, you know, like you're supposed to write in it, there's prompts. And by the end of the book, it should be the reader's roadmap on how to make your dreams come true. Um, but you know, because of that, I I will say, you know, I I don't think I'm quite up to writing episodes yet, but I (laughs) I did get to write my first Star Wars story. I am coming out on April 7th. You can pre-order it now, but you know, the little golden books, you know, that part Mm -hmm. of the Star Wars, I am. We've got a bunch of those in our house. Uh, Yes. Well, they uh, let me write a little golden book for Ahsoka called I am a Padawan. No. Yes. 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 So it's literally like for me, it's like bucket list level because I grew up on little golden books. Yeah. And and that's a format that hasn't changed. They still have the exact same format. The books look exactly the same as they did from back when we were kids. Even the new ones that they're, they're producing now, they they've maintained that consistent little golden book 
feel. And I think that's amazing. So you're going to be doing a book called I Am a Padawan. That's incredible. Yes, yes. So and that was that was so amazing because I got to go back through, you know, the the Clone Wars series and pick out my favorite moments of all of the lessons. What are the important lessons for me, you know, that that you know, I could pass on, you know, to, you know, the young readers that are being introduced to little golden books. And then also to us adults, as we read it to kids, what are lessons that we should be reminded of? Because, you know, um, a Padawan is a student. And so the book had to be, you know, teaching, what does a Padawan learn? Well, a Padawan learns lessons of bravery, hope, knowledge, friendship, uh, and it's, it's, you know, really, um, it was, it was actually very cool to go through and kind of pick out the moments that really meant a lot to me. And I, I hope, uh, you know, you guys will feel the, feel the same way. I am. I'm pre-ordering it now. I have young readers in my house. <laughs> yes. Jason's got the young readers in his house. As a Star Wars collector myself, I, I actually own a few of the Star Wars Little Golden books, and, and they've been an absolute treasure. Um, it, because, I, like I said, they've maintained that consistency with the old days. It, it has that same great feel to it when you're holding one of them and reading it uh, to a child or to the, the kid in you. But, Ashley, you know, um, I, I kind of got things off track there when I, I made my joke about uh, Buffy. Well, it wasn't a joke. It was honest-to-goodness tribute and praise about Buffy from uh, That's a Raven. But you were talking a little bit about uh, your love for acting in front of the camera. And I think a lot of fans uh, tend to consider you to be a voice actress only. But uh, they fail to realize that you're actually a very accomplished actor in front of the camera. Well, you know, thank you for actually asking this because it is it is something that, you know, I did an Instagram live yesterday and I, um, I talked about this because this is actually important for me to speak up about for all voice actors. Um, you know, I don't like stereotypes, as you can tell, I started mm -hmm. for a universe. Yeah, I, you know, know. I don't like stigmas and there is, uh, just a stereotype that voice actors are not actors and mm. that's just not true. Voice acting is acting. Like, uh, you know, it's with several hands technique. tied behind your back. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it is it is definitely a different technique. Um, you know, you have to learn the technique of voice acting uh, and, you know, the technique for live action. They're both very different. However, uh, once you take the, the technique away, the acting is still the same. And all voice actors I've met are some of like the most brilliant actors I've ever worked with. And, you know, it's, to me, it's so, I think, disrespectful to say, well, oh, you know, they're just a voice actor. No, they're an actor. And, you know, whether it's voice acting or live action acting, we're all still actors. And so that's one thing that, you know, I, I read a lot of comments and, you know, I, it's, it's, it's putting voice actors in a box that they don't deserve to be in. Um, I mean, my goodness, when I see Corey Burton perform, <laughs> he is, he literally, it's like a master class on acting. And so, um, so yeah, I, you know, I will say, um, obviously I haven't done as much live action acting in the past couple years. And that's because I was busy with her universe, but you know, my background is in theater and in live action. The majority of my work that I've done is in those two. So I will say I never give up hope. 
Um, is it my dream and hope to one day get to play Ahsoka in live action? You know what? I'm still going to have that dream and hope and uh, hope that one day it might still happen. And if it doesn't, that's okay too. But I can promise you that you, I will, you will continue to see me acting in all forms, whether it be voice acting, live action, hosting, whatever it may be. That's definitely my passion. Um, and, you know, next time uh, you, you see that talk about voice acting versus live action, I just wanted to clear that up because it's still acting at the end of the day. And there's some very, very talented voice actors out there. It sure is. And you know yes. what? That that was so inspirational. And, and I'm going to go a little off script. Uh, Jim, I don't think we have ever done the questionnaire with Ashley. Oh, the Yoda the, questionnaire. Y- okay. The Yoda questionnaire, Ashley. I don't think you've ever. You've done Mad Libs with us. Yes. You've oh, gone yeah. to baseball games with us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've been to Wrigley Field together. Um, my goodness, we, we've done so much together. But one thing we've never actually done is present you with the Yoda questionnaire. These are oh, wow. Star Wars questions. Yes, th- this is really serious stuff because this is these are Star Wars questions for Star Wars fans curated by Jedi Master Yoda himself. And he emailed it to Rebel Force Radio. Yes, it's true. We have Master Yoda's actual email address and we are holding it very close to the chest nobody's ever going to get that email address very few have it and most of them are jedi spirits to begin with so we don't worry about those guys so much but uh yeah we are in contact with yoda he sent us this questionnaire jason has the questions in front of him Mm -hmm. this is really an epic moment here i'm very excited and uh i didn't expect this to happen And I'm so pumped up to hear your answers, Ashley. And they're actually very easy questions, really, when you think about it. Oh, yeah. Because that's how Jedi Master Yoda works. He presents you with the simplest questions in life that turn into sometimes the most complex answers. So here we go. Jason Swank holding on to the Yoda questionnaire. Ashley Eckstein standing by Ahsoka (laughs) Tano herself to take the Yoda questionnaire questions and answer them to the best of her ability. Here we go. All right. Are you ready, Ashley? Uh, I, She's I guess, ready. Oh, I'm a little nervous. Oh, don't be. Been ready. She's been ready. Don't for, be. No, it's good. It's good. If you it's ever good. saw I, the I old, need to intimidate uh, you a little bit. Yeah. If you ever saw the old uh, Inside the Actor Studio show hosted by now the great late James Lipton, then great you'll great. know kind of what, yes. where, where we're going with this, okay? So, Ashley, uh, who is your favorite Star Wars character? Can't be Ahsoka, though. I'm oh, yes, it in. can. I'm throwing in a can't be. <laughs> no. Uh, well, because we know. We know. Okay. But she is Ahsoka, so it oh, would be that's true. Kinda... That would be. Well, yeah, it'd be like saying me. Yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> right. Okay. You can't do that. All right. Next uh, to Ahsoka, who is your favorite Star Wars character? Uh, it's definitely R2-D2. Ooh. r 2 we. Yeah, I remember R2. That didn't last long. No. All right. All right. And uh, now we got to go to the dark side. Who is your least favorite Star Wars character? Ooh. Um, gotta go with uh, uh, Tarkin. Oh. Oh, good answer. Great answer. Because there is a. Yeah, there's a there's a general sliminess to the character. I thought yeah. for sure you were going to say Lux Bonter, but no, <laughs> no, that would be that would be more of a domestic dispute. I think um, no. Uh, so tell us why Tarkin, uh, the slimy Tarkin, is your least favorite character. 
yeah, he just gives me like bad vibes. I, I you know, which is he's supposed to. But, you know, it, it's funny. Stephen Stanton, who is, which is one of the nicest guys, he truly is. Sure. Um, but he does such a good job at, at, at voicing Tarkin. And I, Ahsoka never liked Tarkin. Like they did, you could tell she no. just, her, her spidey sense yeah. always went up with, with Tarkin. And so I've just never liked him. I think because Ahsoka doesn't like him, like my spidey sense goes up and I'm just like, oh, I want nothing to do with Tarkin. Wow. And that's amazing. I'm going to keep that in mind watching the Citadel trilogy from season three again, uh, because uh, there is some interaction between the two and uh, Ahsoka does come off as a little, uh, little, um, a little bit of acknowledging his overall sliminess. (laughs) So she was definitely representing us as fans at that moment. So, okay. Tarkin least favorite. Most favorite, Artui. Uh, go ahead, Jason. All right. And what is your favorite Star Wars line? What line from Star Wars do you always find yourself coming back to? Ooh. Um, you know, believe it or not, I've never been asked that question exactly as, as you're asking me. Uh, I think... I know. Oh, classic. I oh just classic I Harrison Ford. I know. Yeah. And you know, Ahsoka says I know at the end of season five. And I think that line is so powerful because it can mean so much. Uh, you know, two words have never meant so much. Mm. Yeah. That's, That's awesome. a good one. And I forgot about I'm, that. Season five, yeah. she says I know. That's great. Uh, what, is that the last thing she says to Anakin before she walks down the steps? Yeah. Refresh my memory. It is? Yeah. It is oh. oh, I got to yeah. go back. Yeah, I just really uh, recently rewatched that uh, like two days ago, and uh, I, I thought so. That rang a bell. Good stuff, Ashley. What's the next question, Jason? What Star Wars moment always makes you smile? Could be a uh, scene from a... Um, let's see. Uh... You know, I love speaking, sticking with I know. I love the I love you, I know scene, even though it's sad, like Han goes into Carbonite. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like that moment, like we've been waiting for that moment. Yeah. The yeah. I love you, I know. And um, I just, I like that scene. So, so if, yeah, you know, if it was your anniversary and you looked up at your husband, David Eckstein, and you said, honey, I love you. And he looked down at you and he said, I know. You wouldn't be upset about that? You, you'd get a chuckle? No, no. the funny thing is, is I would be so proud because, because, because he gets that, would me. Mean, that, that would mean he's using Star Wars correctly. Like, like whenever, because David wasn't always the biggest Star Wars fan, uh-huh. and I kind of look at my husband as my Padawan, and uh-huh. when he uses Star Wars correctly, it's like my heart it just like bursts with pride. Yes. So it would actually be a really romantic moment if he if he said that. Ashley, I'm the same way with Wendy. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, when she when she nails it, it's just like, oh, but you're one of us, aren't you? You really are one of us. So so perfect. You know, it's it's interesting. George Lucas feared 
putting that in the film. It was that I love you. I know was never actually in the script for empire strikes back. It was an ad lib on set. There were many takes where Harrison Ford tried different responses. And the, I know response was the last take before lunch. And (laughs) the, the rumor is, is that Harrison just said it just to, to, you know, put an end to the shooting so everyone can take their lunch break. And it turned out to be a real winner. And, but when George, it got back to George in the edit, he feared people were going to laugh. And during an early screening for Empire Strikes Back, uh, George walked out of the theater after everyone laughed at that moment. He said, oh, they're all making fun of it because they felt it's a very serious moment. It shouldn't be broken. The tension shouldn't be broken with such frivolous comedy. But somehow somebody was able, it might have been Gary Kurtz, it might have been Irvin Kirshner, they were able to convince George, no, the right move is to leave that in the film. And so George listened, and it's become cinematic history, not only in the eyes of cinemaphiles and Star Wars fans like myself and Jason, but to Ashley Eckstein as she answers, I know, for two of the answers in the Yoda questionnaire. This is a historic moment, ladies and gentlemen. I'm glad you're all here with us to check this to be here. All, All right. right, this is a big I, moment. So, Jason, just, just a couple more questions. questions. Uh, a couple more. What, couple what, more. what Star Wars moment makes you sad? Oh, uh, I, I mean, definitely Ahsoka walking away at the oh. end of season five because I, I mean, obviously, that moment saves her life. Mm. But I mean, it's just so sad on so many levels. Well, like, it's I her family. She's that. leaving yeah. her family. Yeah, in fact, I, in I this, can't watch that scene without crying. Still to this day, I burst into tears every uh, single time I watch it. There's a moment in the in the most current episode of Clone Wars where you you refer to Anakin as your brother. I think you would say your big brother, maybe. And yeah. um, where where did you learn that? I think it's after you kick some kick some butt. Where did you learn to fight like that or something? And you say, yeah, my, something my big brother taught me. So it's clear that Ahsoka mm-hmm. and, and, and you in real life, actually in real life, consider your Clone Wars family to be part of your real family. So that, that qualifies as your sad moment. I, I, I will give that to you. Um, and not only that, though, because um, keep in mind, Kevin Kiner did an amazing job orchestrating a soundtrack for that moment. And it's one of the rare times in the history of the series where an actual orchestra was used for the composition, as opposed to it all being created via, you know, MIDI and keyboards and electronic effects. They actually booked a full orchestra really? to record a Soka's theme as she walks down those Jedi temple steps. And on top of it all, that's true. And on top of it all, it was the final broadcast episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars. The series was effectively canceled after that episode. We, We tend to forget that now because we have the benefit of the hashtag Save the Clone Wars campaign, which, by the way, I was the very first to uh, throw that hashtag into the universe. And the Lost Missions, Season 6, which I also heard from sources within Lucasfilm that our hashtag Save the Clone Wars campaign, which did originate here on Rebel Force Radio, had a ton to do with the Lost Missions being released via Netflix, 
which led to a whole revival of the series on a whole, in general. Many fans discovered the series via Netflix. So it's funny how the dominoes fall sometimes, Ashley, isn't it? (laughs) You know what? It is. And actually, I did not realize, forgive me, because I have to go back. I needed to give you guys credit when I was talking about hashtag save the Clone Wars. Oh, no credit. Um, No, 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 no. No credit needed. You don't have to. No. No, I'm just flexing muscles right now. I'm trying to show off to Ashley. That's all. You got to give credit where credit's due. And actually, you were a part, I don't know if you remember this, but you were a part of helping create another very popular hashtag, which is Ahsoka Lives. Because That's I right. did your show and you were, right. you know, telling me about it. Was it hashtag or not hashtag because they didn't have it back then, but like Darth Vader lives. Mm-hmm. Um, you were telling me that story. And, uh, you know, then it was just like, well, Soka lives. And I, you know, tweeted hashtag Ahsoka lives out right after Ahsoka came I down the, the ladder on Star Wars Rebels, and it just became a thing. Now hashtag Ahsoka I lives remember. is like being used everywhere. But you know, hey, we we started that one too. I, I, you know, that's so funny you bring that up because I don't flex my muscles on that one as often as I do on Save the Clone Wars hashtag Save the Clone Wars. Well, but, uh, hey. I'll, I'll start flexing my. Uh, my Ahsoka lives muscles a little more. Yeah. yeah you know but what? It's, you I know. Want it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last question, Ashley. This is my favorite on the Yoda questionnaire. And I'm going to, I'm going to modify this slightly for you. Cause you're a very special guest. And I think that you're definitely deserve it of a, of a custom question. But if there was to be another star Wars movie made live action, star Wars movie, about Ahsoka Tano, and you were cast in it, and it was directed by none other than George Lucas himself, the maker. What would you like him to say to you as he says, cut on your last scene? <laughs> um, oh, gosh. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't... Is it, oh, well... I mean, I guess just good job. I, I don't know. No, it works. Like, no. uh, okay, I, Ashley, you're stumped. Here's what you want him to say. Uh, let's make an Ahsoka movie now. Right? <laughs> He's going to say, let's let's make no. an Ahsoka movie. How about uh, we got a saga? Picture, picture. We got a saga. We're going to make a saga. We're going to make an Ahsoka picture, and it's going to be amazing. Well, be amazing. Okay, so here's here's my my backstory on why I'm speechless for that. You know, I have had the privilege to meet George Lucas. You know, on a handful of occasions. I mean, I would say between five and ten times. I don't you know remember how many times, but over since you know 2006, since I started recording Ahsoka until now, I've met him a couple times. It never fails. I am just speechless around him. <laughs> like he is the one like celebrity that I get around that I cannot talk. I like physically yeah. like words don't form out of my mouth. And he all said. Yeah, I like I I just can't speak and all I can manage to say is uh the Thank you. Thank you for creating Ahsoka. Thank you. 
And like, I literally like sound that silly. So <laughs> I, I, I don't even know. I, I don't even know. So I guess I would just hope he would say good job. And then I'd probably <laughs> just say that, that, thank you. <laughs> like, Ashley, I got information for you that will probably make you ha- very happy because George puts on an act when he's in public, he try. I'm, I know this for a fact. He tries to act as cool as a cucumber. You say anything to him. And on the outside, he's like, well, okay. Yeah. But then when he gets home to melody, he's like, Oh my God, I talked to Ashley. So I can't my mind. My mind is blowing. He does that, that mind blowing thing with his hands. Where he goes, and he goes, I can't, do you believe it? And then if he ever meets you again, he's like, yeah, yeah, all right, whatever. But behind closed doors, behind closed doors, he goes nuts. So I've heard this uh, from uh, very reliable sources, and uh, they do confirm it. So you you made it through the the, the Yoda questionnaire without a a scar, Ashley. You did a great job. And and we've taken up so much of your time. I know that um, we're going to continue to be uh, very... uh, um, uh, we're we're going to continue to uh, take more of your time because I have one more question to ask you. Two more questions. Um, before I get into my questions about the rise of Skywalker, tell us what on our sleeves is and what that means oh. to you. Well, this is really important. Uh, thank you. Thank you for asking. Um, you know, I founded my company, Her Universe, on uh, because of anti-bullying. Truly, I, you know, so many female fans were being bullied for liking Star Wars. And I realized there was no merchandise being made for female fans. And so I thought, well, you know what? If I make merchandise for female fans, they will feel more comfortable wearing it. And if they feel more comfortable wearing it, then, you know, maybe we could help break this stigma that, you know, Star Wars is just for men and boys. It's not just for men and boys. It's not just for women and girls. It's for everyone. And, you know, so from day one, you know, anti-bullying was super important to me. Um, But over time, anti-bullying falls under a much broader umbrella of mental health. And when I went on my book tour um, uh, about two years ago now, uh, I went on a nationwide book tour for six weeks. And at every book signing, I would say at least, I, I mean, at least five to 10 people, every book signing came up and they, they, it's almost like they were whispering. They were sharing with me, like they had a secret to tell me and they'd say, you know, I really, I deal with severe anxiety or I deal with depression or I'm bipolar. And, you know, this book is really helping me. And I was so humbled and also blown away that they would share their stories with me. But then I also was like, wait a minute, this shouldn't be a secret. Like, you know, they should feel comfortable talking to me just like somebody else will come up and say, you know, I I have cancer. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, and then also simultaneously, I was uh, viciously cyber bullied. Like viciously. What? Um, uh, what? Oh, you was, so wait, wait, wait oh, a second. Hold on. Oh yeah. Ashley Eckstein, come on. Yes. Who is cyberbullying you? And why didn't you reach out to us to uh, bust some heads here on this oh, uh, situation? Was, tell us. Can you tell us? Can you tell us what happened? You know, I I I, I don't want to go into all the details because I it was such a it was such a 
it was just such a negative time and I, I don't even want to bring that up. Bottom line, I was, uh, you know, it was over something that just wasn't true. There was just no truth to it whatsoever. It was like a complete, was this a recent thing? Oh no, this was, this was about again, two years ago, two and a half years ago. Um, yeah, it, but it was awful. It was really, Mm -hmm. really, really awful. Um, and, uh, I, it really messed with me and I, I was an adult and I had all of the support in the world. I had my family, my friends, I had her universe, I had Disney and Lucasfilm and all of these people that were behind me and supporting me. And it still messed with my head. And I remember thinking, well, oh my gosh, no wonder. I mean, the second leading cause of death for kids, I think it's 12 to 19 is suicide. Mm -hmm. And I I thought, no wonder this is happening because I know what it feels like now. And I couldn't stand up for myself. Like literally it was like the mob coming at me for something that just wasn't true at all. There was no truth to it. And I had to sit here and read these awful things. I mean, death threats and, and you're, you know, a piece of trash and you should just die and all these Mm -hmm. awful things that were being said. So at simultaneously, and sorry, this is a long answer, but you know, this is important, sure. you know, simultaneously, I did a book signing at a nationwide children's hospital in Columbus, Ohio. And, you know, they just opened, um, the first ever behavioral health pavilion on a children's hospital campus, uh, in our, in our nation. And that is a huge deal. It's a hospital just dedicated to behavioral and mental health. Mm. And, um, you know, they have a campaign called on our sleeves. And I went into this book signing thinking that I was, I was going in to help the patients. And I walked out of that hospital, you know, where they had helped me, you know, um, I, I walked in in the middle of this cyberbullying incident and I didn't realize how broken I was at the time. And, you know, all the experts there at the hospital, the doctors and the staff, they really helped me. And, you know, this campaign on our sleeves, they say because, you know, because kids don't always wear emotions on their sleeve and not even kids, us adults too, we keep everything in. Mm-hmm. And, you know what? Our mental health is something we should talk about. We should wear our emotions on our sleeves because our mental health is just as important as our physical health. And, you know, I'm an advocate for, you know, uh, mental health of, of all ages, but specifically with the hospital for, um, well, let's see, uh, 50% of lifelong mental illnesses present themselves by the age of 14. So if we mm. can, if we can, you know, uh, approach it early, think of how many adults you're going to, you're going to help and save. And so, you know, going back to the line of my motto about Ahsoka, you help people no matter what I've actually been working on and I'll have more information soon. And I would love to come back on and share it with you guys as soon as I can talk about it, but I've been working ever since on a program for children's hospitals with Disney and star Wars and nationwide children's hospital has been a huge help, but I'll be going around to children's hospitals and, um, I'm very excited. We have a new program we're working on. So stay tuned for more information, but you know, that's, that's what fuels me now is, you know, I, I just want to be a real life version of Ahsoka. That's my goal. A true Jedi. And you know what you're doing here? Ahsoka. I'm going to call you Ahsoka from now on. <laughs> you're not Ashley anymore. Now, now you're Ahsoka to me. 
But what you're doing here is you are following in the footsteps of our late great princess, Carrie Fisher, because Carrie was a very outspoken advocate for mental health. She was very open about her very own personal struggles with it. And she was doing it at a time when nobody would talk about that kind of thing. Now people are starting to open up a little bit more and it's through the guidance of people like you, Ahsoka, is where it becomes so important that Carrie's message, you know, and, and she she carried out her message in many different ways. She carried it out via her one-woman plays, and uh, she carried it out through public speaking appearances and blogging and writing books. Carrie was going out there talking about her very personal struggles with mental health in such an openness. And of course, she was very funny in her approach to but I don't want that to do anything to diminish the message she was putting out there, the openness about her own struggles, where people could look at the things that she was suffering from and say, you know what? The, the, the princess of the Star Wars universe is having issues that are similar to mine. And I consider myself just some Joe Schmo from nowhere, but I can relate to that. And for you to carry on with that tradition, that Star Wars tradition that our princess Carrie Fisher established many years before she passed away, unfortunately, that means a lot. That really means a lot to me, especially uh, when, when I, I know that you're out there fighting the good fight. Well, thank you. I mean, Carrie Fisher, let's face it, she is the OG. She is the original trailblazer. She's the original self-rescuing princess. And, you know, uh, going back to what I said in the beginning, uh, it's it's an honor and a privilege to be a part of this universe. And I will always treat it as such. It's bigger than me. It's, you know, it's, it's you know, the Star Wars is just something that if you, if, you know, if you're so privileged to be a part of, in my opinion, you should do good with it. And um, it's just, she has big shoes to fill. I'll never fill them, but I will always do my best to try. Kudos to you. I, I have to say, kudos to you. You deserve all the props in the world, and I can't wait to follow you on this particular journey because it's something that means a lot to me personally as well. But uh, before we let you go, we want to talk about one of your, your, your most recent contributions to the Star Wars universe, and that is the amazing moment when Ray Skywalker— Oh. I think that's the first time I've ever actually called her Ray Skywalker. It just rolled off the tongue for you so easily. Ray, (laughs) yes, Ray Skywalker, uh, in in her greatest moment of despair, found her true potential by being able to tap into the Jedi spirits of the past and draw on their power to defeat the ultimate evil Emperor Palpatine. And one of those voices that we heard was that of... Ahsoka Tano, or as the um, subtitles refer to the voices, uh, (laughs) what, Jedi Master 3, number 3, Jedi Master (laughs) number 3, well, you know, but that's- We know who it is. uh, We know who it is. That was a sequence that was developed in post-production and actually put together by the great Star Wars sound wizard, Ben Burt, with assistance by Matthew Wood, who recorded all of your voices. Can you tell us a little bit about- how you were brought into the project, how you found out about it, and what it was like to go in there and record a few lines for J.J. Abrams himself. 
<laughs> oh my gosh, it was truly surreal, just truly surreal, um, and truly one of the biggest moments of my entire career. I mean, that to be a part of the Skywalker saga in one of the films is something I never thought I'd be able to say. Um, but, you know, I, I haven't been able to share this story much. Um, so I actually found out that it was a possibility uh, at Star Wars Celebration in Chicago. Um, oh, wow. I, yeah. So it was such a crazy weekend. Like literally my schedule was jam packed. There wasn't a moment free. And then all of a sudden I got a random text message from Matthew Wood asking me if I had time to record while I'm at star Wars celebration. And yeah, yeah, it was crazy. And of course I'm like, uh, well, no, but for episode nine, yes. Like, um, <laughs> um, but then it, it, it didn't happen. I don't know why it didn't happen that weekend. And, um, then I was like, oh my gosh, well, uh, is this not happening? Um, and then I think like a month later I got called in to, uh, record some temp audio lines and I, I recorded some, some temp lines and, uh, mm. they told me, they said, there's no guarantee that this is going to make it in the film. And if it does, then we're going to call you back in in October and uh, you'll actually re-record it officially for the film. So this is, I think, in, in May at this point, And um, I hear nothing and, until literally it's the second week of October. And um, I'd given up hope. I thought, man, I, you know, it's not going to happen. And then I get a call from my agent saying, okay, you have a, a voiceover session uh, at Bad Robot. And, um, Bad I, Robot? I, yeah. Like <laughs> it I, can I, only I mean one thing. <laughs> believe it. Yes. And so I, you get a booking sheet from your agent the night before a session. And it said, like the attendees, and it said Matthew Wood and J.J. Abrams. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so I walk in and there's only three people in the room, you know, two of uh, which were Matthew Wood and J.J. And Abrams. And, you know, he walks up. He's so kind so nice and, you know, shakes my hand and immediately, you know, introduces himself, but then thanks me. He goes, thank you for being in the film. And I'm like, uh, no, <laughs> thank you for putting me in the film. And he couldn't have been nicer. Um, I will say one of the most terrifying, you know, sessions because it was so top secret. I did not get the script ahead of time. And they had me read all the lines that like all the different Jedi said. I, they probably did that with everyone. Oh. So they didn't know how they were going to cut it together. But you want to talk about a cold read. Um, <laughs> I didn't even get a chance to read it before I was performing it. So like he gave me direction and I was reading it for the first time as I'm like literally trying to perform it. So it was a true cold reading and I, I, I it's like a blur, you know, like JJ Abrams is literally three feet away from me, like watching me <laughs> record these lines. <laughs> so, but it was awesome. And we chit chatted a little bit afterwards. Um, and then I went on my way, but uh, it, it couldn't have been a cooler experience. And I'm just thrilled that uh, it made it in the film. Oh man. That's did, amazing. Did it ever. And, and it's that such a amazing. great uh, tie in to everything that uh, Dave Filoni and the whole cast of the Clone Wars and the creative team have been working for all these years to fully cement 
those characters and those versions of the characters into the the film saga and it's just it's just awesome it was a great moment and that was the one of all the voices that we heard that was the one that you know you kind of give a little fist pump yeah there she is oh well well thank you so much i I, you know i will say it was fantastic Oh gosh, thank you. It's it's an honor to again to 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 be there in the credits of a, a Star Wars film is something that again bucket list level and honored to be a part of it. But I will say, speaking of of Dave Filoni, um, the the upcoming episodes for Clone Wars, especially the Siege of Mandalore, is going to blow your minds. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm wait. really, really excited for you guys to see it. Um, it's truly, I think it's it's the best of, of everyone's work. You know, Dave got the gang back together. Um, also, a big shout out to Carrie Beck. Uh, she was a huge part in bringing Clone Wars back. Um, but they got the gang back together, and it really is its some of the best work by everyone involved. Cannot wait. It's so great to have the Clone Wars back. And Ashley, no, I meant Ahsoka. It's so great to have you back. It's so great to have you back. I am so happy that Ahsoka is back. Well, Ashley, certainly as the On Our Sleeves campaign uh, continues to grow and build momentum, please keep us in the loop. We would love to have you you back and talk more about that. And don't forget about the little golden book. Uh, what, What is the name of it? One more time. It's called I Am a Padawan, and it is, it's available for pre-order now, yep. um, or it is available starting April 7th. Yeah, it comes out April 7th. Yes. Available. I saw it on Amazon. We were showing the, uh, the, uh, the website now, so you can go ahead and grab it. That's going to be added to our collection here. We've got all of the, uh, all uh, now, I think, nine of the uh, little Golden Book versions of the, of the film saga, and we'll add that proudly to our collection here in our house. Uh, Ashley, it's, it's, it's so great to talk to you and thank you for spending this time. You've been so generous with your time. So thanks to you and your family for sharing, uh, you with us and hopefully we, love uh, you. we sure do. Oh, and we'll, well be hearing thank from you. you soon. Well, the feelings mutual and you know what? Thank you guys for helping save the clone wars and <laughs> yeah! thank you for supporting me from day one, literally oh, day yeah. one, from my very first interview to now the final season. It means the world to me. So thank you. Thank you. And David's big major league comeback, which will be happening uh, whenever the major league baseball season. No, David's not training. To... <laughs> I got him. I, I have him. I have him penciled in as the opening day second baseman for the Chicago White Sox. What went wrong here? <laughs> oh, he. Damn, he retired. Nobody told uh, me this. Uh, I'm, I'm well, marking it down right now. David told me one day, he told me, he said, I will never, ever announce my retirement. I am never retiring from baseball. <laughs> he well, told me he what? will never announce it. He might not play, but he'll never announce his retirement. I respect he's, him for that. He's not. He's no longer playing, but he is a special assistant for the Pittsburgh Pirates. So with Pittsburgh, uh, yes, yes, yes. So he was his first season back was last season, and you know, depending on when the season starts this year, uh, he's already back with the Pittsburgh Pirates. So um, you know, we're we're moving to Pittsburgh at some point. <laughs> No, really? Now, just he doesn't travel with the team, does he? Oh yeah, yeah, he's with the team full time. <laughs> so. 
I'm yeah. so stalking him when he comes to Chicago. Oh, <laughs> oh. you shouldn't have told me that. I'm going to stalk him oh, and yes, all the pirates no. for that matter. Oh, I will, I will let great. you know, and hopefully we can enjoy <laughs> another game together. Oh, I would love that. I would be Ashley. You're the best. Thank you so much. You spent so much time with us. I can't remember the last time we did an interview with someone for so long, but heck, we had a lot of catching up to do, didn't we? <laughs> we did. We did. Well, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to chat with you guys and may the force be with you. Thank oh, you, may dear. the force be with you. you I too. promise Mad Libs next time. Okay. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Sounds All good. All right. Take care, Ashley. Bye-bye. <laughs> right, Take care. Bye. My Jedi training didn't prepare me for this. You must contact me. Play back the entire message. What message? Message. Not the message. The Emperor commands you to make contact with him. It's a trick. Send no reply. <laughs> Hey guys, this is Trevor from Reno. Uh, I'm driving out in the middle of nowhere in Nevada, so hopefully my, uh, my my phone doesn't cut out or anything. Listening to the most recent podcast, and uh, you guys are talking about that or having discussion uh, comparing Ray and Luke, uh, their journeys and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I uh, just wanted to say a couple things. Um, think we all need to go back and listen to the Hero's Journey podcast that you guys did with the Jedi Yogi. I uh, can't remember his name, but uh, if you listen to that, John uh, he check marks pretty much everything about Rey and kind of proves that she's legit. Um, her, her Hero's Journey is legit. Um, and so that tells me that everything about Rey, her powers and all that kind of stuff, um, it fits, it works. Um, so that's great. Um, and the second thing is, Jason, you said yourself, um, you can't compare Luke and Ray. You can't compare their journeys. Um, and, uh, I think that's true. Uh, they're both, they seem similar on the surface, but completely different, um, when you get underneath. Um, like Jason, or Jimmy said, um, has a family. He's got friends. Different place. Um, I think it's, it's important up. to note that uh, what Jimmy says, uh, she doesn't have anything a lot into her. Ah. Oh, Trevor, come on. This is so good. That was good. That's good, oh. especially the oh, part we where lost he, Trevor. Yeah, he breaks oh. up. He breaks up right when he starts agreeing with me too. So uh, that, I noticed that. I noticed that. I th- I think that that's uh, the world, the universe, trying to uh, intervene there to suffocate my, uh, my yeah, knowledge. Much has been made. I got it. Let me tell you about this text I got from Lyle. Kevin Lyle, where, where, where is this? Oh, I'm interesting this. to hear. Well, you know, there's uh, been here, a lot of people got, talking uh, about this online, too, about our... I got yeah, what I so wanted. So here it is. I, I wanted feedback, so let's start with Kevin. Kevin, he says... Uh, uh, I got, uh, with all that's been going on, I've been busy, and I didn't listen to last week's show yet. I don't even know what happened on it. I'm about to start listening right now. Apparently, according to social media, some sort of war has started. And I wrote back, what? A war? I'm hearing a lot about Team Jason, Team Jimmy. Apparently, there was some kind of argument. I have no clue. Well, then listen to so, this show. Yes, of course. Just listen to this show. I mean, <laughs> you know, why, why even? I mean, what a waste of time. It's not a send, mystery. What a, what a waste of time to spend a, send an email to Jason. What, what do you want, Jason, to like recap the entire show for you, Lyle? Yeah, I got to Listen to the damn type thing. It all for you. Listen to the thing. What's the matter with you? All right, so a lot uh, of people. War. Were, there was no war. People, we, we're allowed to have disagreement. 
Jimmy, I was thinking about this early because I knew this was going to come up on the show. And, and, and Jimmy, you worked with one of the greatest commentary duos of all time. I'm not talking about Michael Kinsley and Pat Buchanan. I'm talking about Gene Siskel and oh, Roger Ebert. Yes. These are two guys. Yeah. Well, these are two guys that had mad respect for each other, but would, would sometimes practically come to blows over arguing about uh, various things and reviews that they had about movies. It is not uncommon for uh, two, fo- uh, two people who are involved in the arena of ideas and opinion to think very passionately and very differently about the same thing. No, and, and Roger and Gene relished those moments where they were not seeing eye to eye about a particular film because they knew they were covering all their bases and they were working outside of right. their own personal prejudices, opinions, and even philosophies of life. And uh, both of the two of them <laughs> actually brought out the best of each other. Despite even, you know, the moments when they walked out of the studio fuming about one another. Um, and, you know, some of those arguments carried on off off the, uh, oh, off yes. the broadcast, oh, did yeah. they not? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the rivalry never went away between Roger and Gene. And, uh, you know, I mean, sometimes, Jason, you and me can uh, be competitive with each other and try to push each other's buttons to get certain responses and, and be even be rivals with each other. I mean, not naturally like Roger right. and Gene were because they wrote for right. two different newspapers in a big city where the during a time when the newspapers were extremely competitive with each other. And um, Roger uh, even once told me he didn't even understand the reason to have another film critic in the city of Chicago beside him. I mean, he felt he really felt that way. Is that right? He couldn't understand why Gene was there. And then Gene, Gene would go and say the same damn thing about Roger. So the rivalry was always there and it was their nature with each other, that competitive nature that really forced a lot of truthfulness to come out between the two of them. And I think that became the base for their relationship for all the years that they were the top film critics in the world. No, they elevated each other, I think, in a lot in a lot of ways. And Roger actually revealed it to me one-on-one when I pushed back against his review to fanboys. And Roger revealed to me that he personally thought it was awesome that I went crazy on him. I, I, I went crazy on Roger Ebert. I, I don't know what I'm thinking of doing, but he was a Chicago... Told him to suck it, I believe. He was not only a Chicago institution, but he was a Hollywood institution and a, a film history institution. And Here I am taking him on mano, uh, mano o mano over Kyle Newman's movie, <laughs> Fanboys. <laughs> and Roger loved it. He loved it. And this was a time when Roger was emerging from his illness, his fight with cancer, and he was really establishing himself again as a productive film critic. Even though his voice was taken away, he was still very active and aggressive online. And Roger, uh, uh-huh. while he completely 100% disagreed with my take on fanboys and its importance to fans and Star Wars fans and film fans, he uh, didn't quite see it as a love letter to Star Wars. He saw it more as uh, 
Well, you can go and read Roger's review. I'm not going to repeat some of the <laughs> filth he had to say about our dear friend Kyle Newman's film. But he relished those opportunities to get into some serious debate, heated arguments even, over major motion picture releases. And so, and we do too. Yeah, well, you know, I we know each other well enough to, uh, you know, I here's the thing that Terry said on Facebook, Terry Canning, who's a loyal RFR listener, he said they were arguing two totally different points. Jason was just saying that Ray never lost a fight in any of the three movies. Now, Jason, is that truly what you were saying? You were saying she didn't, from what I recall, you were saying she didn't uh-huh. receive the setbacks a Luke Skywalker received. Um, and I think you were leaning toward being specific about in a saber duel, but I don't know. We're, we're, well, we're I, well, no, from? I was. I started. I started out as generalities. I said I didn't think that she suffered the same setbacks in her hero's journey that Luke Skywalker did, and I used the fact that I didn't feel she had ever. I, I didn't believe she had ever lost a fight as an example. The I I always have found the moment that Luke is Luke's come to Jesus moment his his most humbling moment is hanging on to the bottom of that antenna on in cloud city as he went against the words of both of his teachers the the the, the wisdom of both of his teachers and went on to try to rescue his friends and confront Darth Vader before he was ready they told him if he did that they would not be able to help him he would be completely on his own and it was the it was rock bottom. I always felt for Luke. He lost an arm. All hope was lost, and he did the only thing he his instincts told him to do, which was reach out to his best friend at that moment that he knew was able to help potentially, and that was that was Leia. Now that could have been the force. It could have been a lot of things, but and he did that. I never felt that Ray on screen had anything remotely like that moment. Now. You pointed out very, and I've listened to the to the debate back. You pointed out very astutely that well, if you're talking about hardships and a life of struggle, uh, Ray's had it much more difficult than than Luke. Luke at least had a somewhat nurturing aunt and uncle that took him in. Ray was an orphan. She had this creepy, fat, wrinkly, uncar plut. Uh, guy looking after her. She has the last image she has of her parents. The only image she has of her parents of them flying away from her. Uh, so yeah, there is a lot of struggle in that character. What I felt as a movie fan, what I was missing was that rock bottom moment for Ray. It wasn't as dramatic as what Luke went through in my, in my opinion on screen, but perhaps it was just as profound, but it wasn't as dramatic. You could say the moment when Kylo Ren tells her her parents are nobody, that's rock bottom. The moment she realizes in Rise of Skywalker that she's a Palpatine and decides to maroon herself in Octu, that could be rock bottom. I just didn't feel that it was as dramatic as what Luke went through. So, well, And I'll tell you what, man. A week uh, later, that's my, my I, I, I'm glad you're saying your piece. Because part of me felt like I was steamrolling a little bit last week. And I know I have a tendency to do that. 
And it's not like it's something I'm trying to fix, but I just am saying I know I have a tendency to do that. That's kind of what makes me good to be behind a mic. And it kind of uh, puts people like you on the other end of the mic in very perilous situations as I'm... Jason, you have ridden shotgun with me as we drove the streets of downtown San Francisco. Oh, yeah. So enough oh, said. Oh, yeah. So, so, so enough said. Uh, <laughs> Behind the wheel of a rental car. Behind the wheel of a rental car. Yeah, right, right. In the right. streets of San Francisco. Yeah, right. So there, there was absolutely nothing at risk at that moment. <laughs> there was nothing at risk. Nothing to lose. <laughs> But um, so, but it was a, so it was a lot I'm, of fun. Saying, it was a great yes. It, yeah. Horrifying is is a mild way to put it. Um, even I get scared thinking of those moments as as we took the air, uh, it, it like a seventies cop show, <laughs> as we're driving around on the uh, streets of San Francisco. As a matter of fact, I think that was a cop yeah. show in the seventies, the streets of San Francisco. But yeah. Michael Douglas, right? Was that Michael Douglas? Ooh, I think it was. I think it was. Yeah. I think Michael Douglas yeah, and Carl Malden. It was, it was Michael Douglas. It absolutely was. Yeah, yeah. My dad was a big fan of that show. I think because they dressed alike. Oh, yeah. I think they all dressed alike. So. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of polyester. So, uh, um, but so like. Anyway. So um, that's yeah. why I'm glad you just said your piece. Because I felt like mm-hmm. uh, the conversation was a little one-sided last week. And I felt like I was being a little too uh, dominant in that aspect. But uh, I, I, that doesn't mean for a second that I am uh, softening my stance on the fact that I believe that Ray Skywalker definitely had a, uh, a very traumatic upbringing. And while we didn't see some of those moments like we did with Luke, and this this comes down to the quality of filmmaking, quite honestly, okay? When you want to separate Uh the story from the film-going experience, I'll work with you on that. And definitely agree a thousand percent that me as a viewer never felt the pain that Ray experienced on her particular hero's journey because I feel like most of the pain happened prior to her having the threshold moment of the hero's journey. Mm, mm-hmm. The threshold moment for Ray right. could quite possibly be when she stumbles across BB-8 in the desert. That's her threshold moment. Hmm. And it might seem insignificant. Uh, other people might want to point at different moments throughout the film when she finds Luke's lightsaber and all of that. But I really think the simple discovery of the lone BB-8 rolling along in the desert, getting captured by that despicable Tito, uh, I, I really think that's yeah. that is <laughs> everyone on Jakku are the most despicable. That's the most despicable <laughs> gathering of individuals in the Star Wars universe. The minimally populated- even the old lady, even the old lady shining the medal that Ray looks over and sees herself in fifty years. Ray, yeah, that's so astute. When Ray is there. Going through the same activity that this crusty old going nowhere, been nowhere, and has nothing to live for old lady is doing. Ray looks at her, and you, you get that moment where she just is taken aback going, this is my destiny. And that, and I, but I mean, you laugh, but that's important in establishing. Yeah, no, it is. In establishing all of the trauma that her character had gone through 
And granted, we don't get to share that trauma with her. We only get whispers of it and hints of it through her staring at old ladies scrubbing scrap metal. But um, it fills in the blanks, which desperately need to be filled in. Because with Luke, we go through all of the hardship with him and experience it with him. Right. And see ourselves in him and relate to him. With Ray, we're left at a point where we have to fill in a lot of the blanks. And as far as the experience she's gone through, we know she's been through hell. And when you look at the scorecard, she's been through hell. She's been through a lifetime of hell. Mm -hmm. Having her parents ripped away Mm -hmm. from her when she was five, six years old. Luke was never alone. Luke was never never alone. Luke was never a true orphan in that sense. He always had family. Right. Right. Thank you, mm-hmm. Obi Wan Kenobi. You know, Ray mm-hmm. never had an Obi Wan. Well, Owen and oh, right, Owen and Baru. I, I, you know, you you can tell. No, but when I say Obi Wan, Obi Wan is the one who set up Luke for his future. That's why I say oh, thank I you, Obi Wan. Yes. You, you understand. But of course, right. Owen and yes, Baru are responsible for facilitating his upbringing. One one thousand percent. Obi-Wan has nothing to do with that. Neither does the Force. Neither does Obi, uh, uh, Anakin Skywalker. No, but none of them do. None of them do. Yoda, none of them. It, that's all due to the Larses. And so their family yeah. is blessed with the Force. I mean, let's face it. It was Klieg Lars you know, who I, took in Shmi. I mean, there's a certain Force I energy heard a rumor. around them. We haven't talked about this, and I want to throw this at you. Because you probably read the same rumor as I did. But I heard a rumor that one of the reasons that they're, they're, they're all of a sudden less than thrilled with the scripts for the Kenobi series is that some of the stories have to deal with a, a young Luke. Yeah. And that there's a thought that they don't want to involve Luke and that Luke shouldn't be part of the story. Because he'll steal the thunder. Um, Baby Luke will steal the thunder from Baby Yoda. At least that's what somebody told us <laughs> at Wizard World Cleveland. And I'm, I'm willing to roll with that yeah. to a certain degree. <laughs> Not so far. But, but. But, I, but I think that once you remove the mission of stewardship, guardianship of, of Luke Skywalker from Obi-Wan Kenobi, even if it's for an eight-episode miniseries yeah. or whatever it is going to be on Disney+, Plus. I think that you're removing a critical part of that character's motivation, his reason for being. Now, I also understand that you don't want to, you know, you don't need to make it father knows best or just have every episode ending with him overlooking and seeing the young boy playing. But I I think that it's really short-sighted. I think that that is a driving point of that character's motivation for this period in his life. I think it's a terrible mistake if they don't incorporate at least in at some level, uh, his his overseeing Luke's safety. Right, it's essential. It's essential to the story of Obi Wan. I think so. So uh, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure we're dealing with an an exiled Obi Wan Kenobi on Tatooine, which leads me to believe I think that they're looking for a script that will take him off planet and away from his mission right. of guarding Luke. But even in that case, you'd still have to bookend the entire season with him. 
watching Luke and then returning to Tatooine to watch Luke. So, I mean, those are essential elements in the Obi-Wan Kenobi story. And if you're going to continue with his story and not include that, then you don't understand the fundamentals of Obi-Wan Kenobi's story. Thus, you don't understand the fundamentals of Star Wars. And I've lost so much confidence in Lucasfilm over the last five years because of this very same conversation that keeps coming up fill in the blanks remove kenobi and put in luke skywalker or put in leia organa solo skywalker or any of the legacy characters han solo even chewbacca to an extreme they they screwed over chewie in in the force awakens don't ever forget that so i have lost so much confidence in lucasfilm in their process of storytelling since George Lucas has stepped out of the building. So, I mean, that's why and, these conversations and you keep also happening. Know, but you also know as a parent what it's like to try to stop a young child from damaging themselves, especially when they start, they start walking. Uh, now imagine you, you not only have that, 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 uh, that feeling about a, a, a child, but that child is now also... The last hope of the galaxy. Right. That's a lot riding on that kid. So you want him to wear that helmet when he's riding that that, that speeder bike. You want him to take those precautions. And I've always Helicopter parenting, Obi-Wan Kenobi. I've always loved those elements of the expanded universe that would touch upon those sort of things and reveal that uh, Owen Lars would occasionally threaten Obi-Wan Kenobi and say, stay away from me and my family, you crazy old wizard. And um, and and Luke was aware of that. Oh, you know, Owen Lars didn't yeah. hold back when he was having that conversation with Luke at the table when Luke was 20 years old. And, you know, that wizard is just a crazy old man. That is a reputation that Owen Lars has been cultivating for Obi-Wan Kenobi for the better part of the last 20 mm-hmm. years. Not only with Luke, but the denizens of Anchorhead and the people who surround his farmstead there outside the Dune Sea. You know, um, when he goes into Moss Eisley, he probably talks crap about Kenobi. I don't think Owen Lars is the type of guy who accepted the burden of maintaining the integrity and future of the Jedi, the Jedi warriors, you know, I, I think he was against right. all of that crap. And Luke even says it, you know, he even says, you know, ah, you know, and, and Obi-Wan goes, that's your uncle talking because mm-hmm. Obi-Wan's heard, mm-hmm. Obi-Wan's heard a lot of what Owen Lars has to say. And it's, uh, right. he wants Luke. Obi-Wan says all this in the new hope. Stay at home and live the life of a farmer and just have that that stability that the farm life can bring to a family that sticks together. Well, the stability and the anonymity too, you know, and, and being right. You know, just just be people. Crowd. Yeah. Just be people, yep. regular people. Owen Large never right. wanted to have any sort of responsibility. To maintain the Jedi Knights and all. I mean, that's all a bunch of crazy crap to a guy who lives out in the middle of the desert. You know, I mean, he doesn't know anything about that right. stuff. He doesn't like Obi-Wan Kenobi. He loves the fact that he's been able to take on Shmi's grandson 
and uh, raise him in, uh, or I, I guess that would actually be Shmi's. Yeah, Shmi's grandson. Grandson. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Right, 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 right. I'm getting Luke and Anakin screwed up. Yeah. I'm getting them confused. And it's so funny I just did that because I have a clip of Anthony Daniels coming up in just a few minutes where he does the exact same thing. He confuses oh. he confuses Obi-Wan and Anakin. And uh, great minds. When you well, when you deal well, with let's, let's generations, this is a generational story. Sometimes you <laughs> confuse the father for the son, and I think that's kind right. of. An, well, I think that's it. a we, message that Star Wars relays: is that sometimes the sons are responsible for the sins and victories of the father. So interesting. I have good news for you, my lord. That's good news. Come closer. I have good news. All right. Well, as Jimmy said, uh, our top story is Anthony Daniels showing up on Sirius XM's morning mashup promoting his book, I Am C-3PO. And I'm embarrassed to say that uh, it's sitting in my audible queue right now. I haven't listened to it yet, but uh, because it's been out for a while, but it is, uh, you know, hey, now's the perfect time. Plenty of time on our hands to listen or read to Anthony Daniels uh, book, I Am C-3PO. Yes. By the way, that is available on Audible. So check them out at Audible. Free plug. Anthony Daniels on Sirius XM's Morning Mashup. Never heard of this show. That's your typical morning zoo oh, yeah. sort of format where they're all yelling and screaming at the same time. So uh, thankfully <laughs> for uh, your friends here at Rebel Force Radio, we listen to this stuff so you don't have to. And we cut all of the uh, crapola out of it. And, um, hey, you know, no knock on the guys at Sirius XM's morning mashup. But uh, let's just say they're very stereotypical of your morning zoo format. So uh, I'll leave it at that. Uh, here's uh, the great Anthony Daniels, C-3PO for the better part of five decades now, he's uh, visiting the Sirius XM studios and he's talking about how he can keep cool, even working in desert climates when he's wearing all of that C-3PO plating. As we approached um, for this latest film, The Rise of Skywalker, we were going to Jordan to another Oh. Desert. Yeah. Oh, my God, sand. <laughs> uh, this time it was red sand, which, you know, it's bad enough that you have, you get home and your clothes are full of, of sand. But when it's red sand, not only is it gritty under your feet, but it, you can see it everywhere. Yeah. Um, Jordan, what a wonderful place to film. What a, what a treat. And they had prepared for me a, a capillary uh, vest, which is a l- very thin vest with uh, little tubes of coal. Well, little tubes. And when you attach it to a bag when you finish filming, the bag has iced water pumping around. Oh. And it is so efficient. It's like <sighs> having a heart attack. It was like really weird. Because it's sort of, it's <laughs> You're cold all of a sudden. Yeah, suddenly, wow. like bang. Yeah. Yeah. Super efficient. <laughs> So there you oh, go. Anthony, another desert planet. Oh, no. I got to walk through another desert. But, I, you know, I love that about uh, Rise of Skywalker. I loved seeing 3PO in that familiar desert setting. I thought it was great. And I think that one of the – and I don't know if I've actually mentioned this, but one of the things that I love the most about Rise of Skywalker is how well – 3PO was written in this movie. He felt like the 3PO of Empire Strikes Back, the foil to the heroes, you know, the the the, the nanny, the nagging nanny at all times. I just uh, I loved it. I what a great swan song for that character. Yeah, it, it really uh 
really helped keep that droid duo very present there all the way toward the end. Because we'd always heard that mm. the Star Wars saga was told from the perspective of R2 and 3PO. So I thought it was just great that we had a larger presence for one of the two in one of the three sequel films. Because let's <laughs> face it, both of the droids have been largely put on the sidelines for these films. I, which, what a, yeah. what, a, what a serious flippant mistake. I mean, but, you know, it is what it is. So, um... It is. So you got uh, 3PO, though, stepping up in The Rise of Skywalker. I think we've heard Anthony Daniels talk a lot about how he's been really relieved that he had more to do in these films than in Episode 7 and 8. And it makes all the sense in the world. The foil. I love how you say that, Jason. He provides the foil to our heroes. And it goes all the way back to uh, moments in... uh, I think about a lot of moments in A New Hope, but specifically in Empire Strikes Back, when 3PO breaks up the biggest romantic scene in the entire original (laughs) trilogy, Han is finally planting that kiss on the princess's lips, and we've wanted it as badly as Han has wanted it, as badly as Leia has wanted it, but 3PO, oblivious to the concept of romance, taps Solo on the shoulder to brag about some technological score he achieved. I've isolated the reverse power flux coupling. And, uh, you know, and that really does establish, I think, a lot about the history of 3PO post-Return of the Jedi. I think that scene right there does a lot to establish who 3PO is and how he's been portrayed in not only Star Wars films, but several other mediums throughout the years that tell Star Wars stories, oftentimes with Anthony Daniels' voice, because he's been so uh, Mm -hmm. readily available for that stuff throughout the entire history of Star Wars. I don't think anyone has maintained, any actor has maintained a more active presence within Star Wars for the past 43 years of its existence outside of Anthony Daniels. I mean, you tell me. I mean, outside of hearing Chewbacca growl, and we know that that's just a bear, there's no other vocal cords <laughs> you've heard of in Star Wars that belong to an individual outside of Anthony Daniels. He deserves a lot of credit for that too. You know, I, I, I he does. Absolutely. And it, I was, I was thankful to see he was out there in the spotlight for the promotional tour of the rise of Skywalker more than he had been for any of the previous sequel films and maybe even prequel and original trilogy films as well. So this serious XM interview is a perfect example of that in action. So he, he was just talking about how he keeps himself cool is 3PO. Uh, our next cut features Anthony talking about how he didn't even want to play 3PO in the first place until he finally saw some concept art that was created by a now legendary name in the Star Wars universe. The thing that changed my mind was a painting, a concept painting. I didn't know what a concept painting was, but it's, it's uh, something an artist is asked to do to show people how the film might look. Mm. And the concept painting in this case was of C-3PO. Wow. I, I approached, literally I walked up to the painting and I fell in love, fell, I don't know what. Have you seen the Mona Lisa? Yes. 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 It's, it's rubbish. It- <laughs> 
nothing for me. Nothing. I, I, yeah, nothing. I, I, that, that smirky yeah, face. No. Yeah. No. I mean, there are theories. Is it a man in drag or what? I don't know. Yeah. It just doesn't work for me. Whereas <laughs> Ralph McClory's painting totally spoke to me. Now, how do you like that? Uh, is it a is it a man in drag? I don't know. <laughs> how do you like that, Swank? Though? But he that Anthony Daniels is talking about the artwork of Ralph McQuarrie and mentions the Mona Lisa by the great Leonardo da Vinci, a masterpiece, a timeless masterpiece that has been celebrated for not decades, but centuries. And Anthony Daniels, speaking for Star Wars fans worldwide throughout the history of this franchise, says, the Mona Lisa doesn't mean shit compared to Ralph (laughs) McQuarrie. Yeah, no, I like that too. And of course, we all know what what painting he's talking about, which is the, I'm I'm showing it right now for our Patreon supporters. Uh, I, I can't remember the name of this. I think there is a name. It's for like this. droids, our, droids our in the at, desert. I think it's called something like that. Yeah, droids in I the desert. think so. And this is very much when three PO had this Metropolis uh, droid yes, look. Yes, yes. The at old, one point, uh, but 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 this was, I think, this was, I believe, the painting that. Tony Daniels talks about walking up to and looking into the face of this this character and all of a sudden falling in love and, and understanding where this character is coming from. So that's the that's, classic that's 3PO. Very, very now, cool. now, of course, that is the design of both 3PO and R2 that Hasbro used as their concept art Ralph McQuarrie action figure designs. Back in, uh, I think it was uh, 2008 when that line came out, and it featured uh, action. Yep. It was it was actually a Star Wars Celebration exclusive, and uh, that's right, yeah, it was. yeah the two pack. And uh, you see R2 in the background, and he's um, more like taking step a step forward. And I think R2 was originally supposed to be like this three clawed droid that wouldn't roll as much as he would sort of lurch forward and walk almost. And he's following 3PO. And then in the background, it's really interesting because unlike the sand dunes of Tunisia that served as the environment for Tatooine, we have uh, sand dunes in the background, yes, but a huge rocky mountain. Yes. And to Antony, that really doesn't represent Tatooine as much as it represents the look of Pasana. And so that's why he feels so compelled to refer to this classic Ralph McQuarrie painting as something that was resonating with him even all those years later shooting episode nine because of the feel of that Ralph McQuarrie painting kind of represents Pisana more than it does Tatooine. And it's it's really interesting. Maybe Ralph knew something about the future Star Wars we'd even know. He knew it before the first Star Wars ever even came out. He's like, yeah, sooner or later. Yeah, they'll... and and I think in the in some of the supplemental footage on the Rise of Skywalker uh, home video release, he talks about Pisana being sort of this coming home moment for 3PO because it looks like he is having his final act yeah. in the Ralph McQuarrie painting. So it's very, very, very cool. Very and then, cool as you say, on, you know, on a more basic sort of level, just seeing 3PO out in the desert again means so much. <laughs> it means so much to yes. us. Yes. We've been on this journey <laughs> with him ever since 1977. And uh, that doesn't... Uh, 
that doesn't fall short on the actor himself. And uh, it's really interesting. One of the uh, hosts there, the morning mashup, they uh, he really uh, kind of um, targeted the prequels because that's probably the Star Wars he grew up with, you know. And he thought oh, it was uh-huh. so. He thought like his mind was blown. And I don't hear fans talk about this often enough. He felt like his mind was blown by the idea that Darth Vader created C-3PO. Anakin Skywalker is the one who created C-3PO. And that really did generate this great story out of Antony about when he first learned that Anakin Skywalker was the one who created C-3PO. And it's a great story I've never heard before. Not in Antony Daniel interviews or podcasts or anything. Interviews here on Rebel Force Radio, anywhere. So... This is a, a, a funny moment. It's actually a funny moment that the uh, Sirius XM morning mashup crew get out of Anthony Daniels. I had a meeting with George Lucas at Leavesden Studios where it was filmed, and he said, um, you're, you're, you're created by Anakin. And um, <laughs> I thought, well, that's, that's brilliant. Um, it had been 16 years or 14 years since the, the previous movie, the uh, episode six. So uh, created by Anakin. Wonderful, because I loved Alec Guinness. Yeah. He, was, he was the nicest person. And I thought, how brilliant <laughs> to have uh, 3PO, one of my favorite characters, created by my favorite. Three days later, I thought, oh, no. No, Alec played Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> Anakin's the bad guy. He's the Darth Vader. Right. And it, so I went into shock. Creepio still does not know. <laughs> God, he's, he's neurotic enough as it is. Come Whoa. on. So keep the secret. And, and literally, I got the name. There are too many names. Come on. How many Jedi Knights? <laughs> How about that? He thought that... Oh, it happens to all of us, doesn't it? He initially thought when George like... Uh, and it was great to hear... Anthony Daniels do a George Lucas impersonation in that clip, too. Yeah. Um, but he's like, yeah, you know, Anakin created uh, 3PO. Anthony Daniels, as he said, it's been a decade and a half since he last acted in the Star Wars films. And he thought when he heard Anakin, he was thinking Obi-Wan. So he was thinking Sir Alec Guinness. And he thought, oh, that's great. great. That's awesome. That's great. Sir Alec Guinness. Yeah, I loved Alec Guinness. Oh, he's great. He's awesome. <laughs> Oh, what, what, a, what an origin. And then he found out that uh, yeah. it was actually Jake Lloyd, not Sir Alec Guinness. <laughs> well, I'm sure by then, you know, the, the, well, the, the role right. hadn't been cast. I don't mean to disparage Jake. I love Jake. I, I, I fuck. I, yeah, I just swore. But, but, but I love but, Jake Lloyd. He's a great but, guy. But, I, I got right. to know him personally, and a lot of people talk about Jake Lloyd. I know him, and I thought he was a wonderful person, and his family is as well. Um, but uh, Alec and Anakin, big confusion for Antony. <laughs> right. Three days later, he goes, oh, maybe that's not so great. Yeah, well, that's, you anyway. know. All right. What, what else we got here? Okay, yeah. Okay, moving quickly. Uh, 3PO, uh, the morning mashup crew handed him a sheet of lyrics and uh, said, this is a popular recent pop hit, and we want you to recite these lyrics so our members of the Morning Mashup crew can try to guess what song you're reciting. Now, for a classic rock guy like myself, I like the hairy old man <laughs> music. So I don't know uh-huh. anything about new music. So I'm a failure when it comes to trying to guess 
what these lyrics, what song these lyrics are from as Anthony recites them as C-3PO. He is reciting in character. So I'm going to play him. Jason, I think you're a little, you you know a little bit more about uh, the current pop charts than I do. Uh, that's for sure. But I. Oh, I don't know about that. Well, let's we'll no, find I, out. I, I, think, I think your your knowledge is still very limited, but maybe uh, members of our audience. <laughs> I'm just saying you know more than I do. I'm saying you know more oh, than I man, do. Oh, man, I don't know. But your knowledge is I'm still here limited. I'm jamming out to Sinatra and Barry Manilow over here. <laughs> right. No, listen. Listen. My slate is blank when it comes to new music. But you, I think, might <laughs> okay. have a, a fighting chance here. But I still don't have any gotcha. confidence in your, your knowledge or skills. So I'm throwing, <laughs> I'm throwing it to our audience members, probably those who are yes. 25, 30 years younger than us. To listen to C-3PO recite these lyrics from a recent pop hit. And I want you listening with your earbuds or in your cars or wherever you are to guess the song that 3PO is reciting here. He got that green eyes giving me signs (laughs) that he really wants to know my name. Hey, (laughs) I saw you looking from across the way and suddenly... I'm glad I came. Hey. All right, Swank. And your answer Man, is? I got it. I, <laughs> I have. I answer. haven't the fuck. Hey, what, watch your language. I, I, I don't know. Is it? I uh, Is it something by? Uh, I don't know. Uh, what's the name of that girl? Uh, did, uh, is it? Uh, uh, I, I don't know. I got nothing. All right, I you got, got nothing. nothing. I can't even pull out a All right, rep. listen. I you, got nothing, man. You are pop culture illiterate, and I love you for that. When it comes because to I music, am the same way. There, when it comes to music, there's no sure. There's no question when it comes right, to music. Right, listen. I don't play know play one more time uh, so our Beyonce? audience. Give Beyonce. our audience a second chance because we're clueless. Right. We'll play right. one more time for our audience to give them a second chance, <laughs> and then I will reveal what this song actually is. All right. He got that green eyes, giving me signs <laughs> that he really wants to know my name. Hey, I saw you looking from across the way, and suddenly, I'm glad I came. Hey. Hey. All right. Come on. You're, you're never going to guess it. It's a song by a guy Beyonce. Who... I'm no, going with Beyonce. No, no, no. Stop. Don't even stop. He got them, got them green eyes. Well, you would hear nope. those lyrics and naturally think that it's a female performer who is responsible for this song, but it's actually yeah. a guy who even appeared in The Rise of Skywalker in a, a cameo role as an oh. alien. Who is it, Jason? Who is it, Jason? He appeared in The Rise of Skywalker. He was wearing an alien's mask, and he's a very famous, well-known Pop Everyone singer. knows that it it's 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 the hip hop impresario Jeff Garland from the Goldbergs. <laughs> no, right? No. He got sure. them green eyes. Uh, you know, Jeff Garland does get a brief moment in the spotlight for his work on The Rise of Skywalker. Everyone knows Jeff Garland from the Goldbergs and Curb Your Enthusiasm. He's amazing. Amazing right. Chicagoan. Great comedian. And yeah. um, he appears in The Rise of Skywalker in a scene that was largely cut out. Any sort of involvement he has 
in the Rise of Skywalkers on the cutting room floor. But you can see him in a brief few seconds of uh, Star Wars spotlight moment in the Hey, uh, where, where's his toy? Documentary. Remember he said he got scanned for, the a, for an action figure? Well, I, I just assume they do yeah. that for every one. They scan. Oh. I mean, think about it. If you have that, that technology at your disposal, you want to make Why sure that he? everyone wearing anything from wardrobe is walking into that scanner. Because uh, the potential for future right. action figure production is always there. Even for a character like the one that Jeff Garland played that really didn't show up on screen. I mean, I'll always say, remember right. Constable Zuvio? He got an action figure. <laughs> he got an action figure. And Jeff Garland <laughs> actually gets more time on screen than he does. In uh, <laughs> That's true. It is true. Zuvio got nothing. You see Zuvio in a brief blurry moment as uh, Finn is, and Ray are running through the Jakku yeah. marketplace. In fact, doesn't he get more time? What, don't you see another Zuvio type in a subsequent piece? Is it in? I could. It, it could be a fever dream. Yeah, I don't know. I thought that there was a subsequent piece of Star Wars on screen where you see Zuvio like. Aliens. I don't think so. I, I really don't, Jason. I, I don't think that the uh, Zuvians get any kind of spotlight <laughs> in the, the future films. You know, We're you know, coining that term, by the way, right here on Rebel Zuvians. Radio. Yeah, you know, Zuvians. And, and mm-hmm. that's what we call ourselves, the ones who, who, you know, this is our new hashtag. We've had several hashtags over the years. Save the Clone Wars, Ahsoka Lives. Those really caught on. But I want all the Zuvians to get behind... Bring back Zuvio hashtag. It's uh, I, what was that? <laughs> bring back Zuvio. I, I can't. I can't even say it seriously can't enough. I can't. I can't fire up the masses if I can't say it with a straight face, or even get the words out of, of my serious, mouth. So and seriously, more yeah. from. Uh, Tony Daniels on uh, okay. Serious. So I have one mashup. more. So the song is yeah. we oh, we yeah, haven't revealed the information yet. We haven't told anyone. No. Okay. So the actor who appeared in the singer cool who made the cameo in the Rise of Skywalker is a guy named Ed Sheeran. Okay. So everyone knows Ed Sheeran, right? Oh, Ed Sheeran. Of course I know Ed Sheeran. My wife's crazy about him. He kind of is on a bit of a hiatus right now because he allegedly uh, 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 did some, uh, well, No, sorry. Well, you know, oh, I've heard this about Ed Sheeran. (laughs) Okay, so. Yeah, that's why he hasn't uh, been in this public spotlight for a long time. You just put a picture of Ed Sheeran on the screen, and he looks exactly I did. like Austin Powers. I mean, that I thought, I thought I'm like, <laughs> yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. I, I was like, why is Austin uh-huh. Powers on my screen? All right, all right enough with Ed Sheeran. This is insanity. Now we're going down a vortex. So the song was by Ed Sheeran. It's called South of the Border, and mm-hmm. it features Camilla Cabello and Cardi B. All right. Thankfully, we were we we didn't have to hear any Cardi B in this this moment. But what I did was no. I took the song, I I, I took it a step mm-hmm. further than what they did at SiriusXM. I took 
Anthony Daniels vocals, and I made an RFR mm-hmm. super music mashup with the actual Ed Sheeran tune. And I found that moment in oh. the song. Yes. I found that moment in the song where Camilla Cabello is reciting those lines. And I put Anthony Daniels into the song to make it better. So now you're going to hear Ed Sheeran, South of the Border, featuring Camilla Cabello, Cardi B, and Tone Loke, Anthony Daniels. Check it out. (laughs) He got that green eyes, giving me signs that he really wants to know my name. Hey, I saw you looking from across the way. Suddenly, I'm glad I came. Hey. Oh, I love the song a thousand times. It's over so quick. Well, it's 15 seconds. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we do what we can do. <laughs> I wish I could have the entire song recited by Anthony Daniels. I, yeah. I would have done a mega mix, an RFR mega mix, if I had every. So if Ooh. Anthony is listening, and I know he is, I want him to go to his smartphone and hit the voice memo and talk into his phone and recite all of the Ed Sheeran song. South of the Border featuring Camila Cabello and Cardi B. And provide me with those lyrics. Anthony, I know you're listening. It's going to be South of the Border featuring Anthony Daniels and Camila Cabello Mm. and Cardi B. Make it happen, Captain. If Anthony Daniels does not send me his recording of that entire song, (laughs) I want every Rebel Force Radio listener to go to his website and send him an email... Because it's all there at AnthonyDaniels.com. You can contact him directly right there. You say, get on it, Goldenrod. That's what I want you to say. It'll be subject line, <laughs> get on it, Goldenrod. Give Jimmy Mac what he wants. That's all you have to say. And then, yeah. and then Anthony will. <laughs> what have I gotten myself into? I don't know, but the website is AnthonyDaniels.com. Anthony. Uh Ant, well, Anthony. No, but th. No, th. Anthony. Don't, don't do right. a th. Nobody's it's spelled that way. Anthony. I, I think there's even a, a, a part of J.J. Abrams revealing somewhere in some interview somewhere. Maybe it might even be on the digital release for The Rise of Skywalker where he goes, Boy, after all these years, I never realized his name was Anthony. I always called him Anthony. But you have to call him Anthony. Because oh, he's yeah. the tone. Always think of that. Tone Loke, Anthony tone. Daniels. Anthony Tone Anthony. He got that green eyes, giving me signs that he really wants to know my name. Hey, I saw you looking from across the way. Suddenly, I'm glad I came. Hey. So you people don't know what you're missing. If you're not if you're not subscribing and supporting Rebel Force Radio via Patreon and the all access tier, you're not gonna see Jimmy Mack break it down at the end of each episode as he does a little dance routine complete with jazz hands. I had jazz hands tonight, and I you know it never gets old to me. <laughs> I mean, after 14 years, I still dance in my seat when I hear 
that closing theme to RFR. I just love it. By the way, this uh, this Miko album has been recently repressed on vinyl. So there actually is a re-release of this Miko record that if you uh, if you're a, if you're a fan of vinyl and you missed it on the first go around, you can't find it at your local flea market. You can pick it up new. I, I think is Jimmy Mac grabbing it? Does he have it? What's he? Oh, there it is! Oh, <laughs> the original vinyl. What's the year on that? I just like to smell the vinyl. Oh. Oh, that's it's the what, is that stuff. the eighteen gram? Uh, well, no, this is probably from uh, nineteen forty two. Actually, uh, was it was originally pressed, but uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, it's available. Uh, hey, by the way, we'd love you to be a part of the uh, excitement going on over at uh, Patreon dot com slash Rebel Force Radio. All kinds of things happening over there, including. As I mentioned, the all-access tier, which is how you can not only listen, but watch Rebel Force Radio each and every week. That's right. The uh, complete video is passed up over to our Patreon subscribers at the all-access tier. So if you want to actually look at our mugs while we're doing this show, you can do it. And you know what? What's kind of fun for the uh, Patreon subscribers is that they get to... Sometimes we don't necessarily record this show in the same order as you hear it on the podcast, so you get to hear some of the interaction and the uh, crosstalk as we're uh, shuffling guests on and off the show. So check it out. Go to patreon.com slash rebelforceradio. Of course, the uh, link is on our website at rebelforceradio.com. We'd love to have you a part of the uh, the great community there. Uh, also, uh, you can send us an email, show at rebelforceradio.com, or leave us a voicemail, 708-320-1737. That's 708-320-1RFR. And you can check us out on our social media platforms. We've got Facebook. We've got Twitter. We have Instagram. You can find us at Rebel Force Radio, except on uh, Twitter, we're at RFR Rebel Force. That's RFR, RFR Rebel Force, except no substitutions. You want the real thing, RFR Rebel Force. The official website, rebelforceradio.com. And if you're subscribed via Apple Podcasts or iTunes, not only do you have the opportunity to subscribe to your favorite podcasts, including Rebel Force Radio, but you also have not just the opportunity, but the obligation, the duty to review Rebel Force Radio, and we don't ask for much. Just one rule, please. You better make it good. And Rebel Force Radio is proud to be a part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. You can check out the full lineup at evergreenpodcast.com and you can find us. We're streaming all over the internet. You can find us at wgnplus.com YouTube. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. YouTube just search for Rebel Force Radio and make sure you not only subscribe, but you also click that notification bell because that's the way you'll know the next time Rebel Force Radio is going live. We're going to be going live in a couple of weeks with uh, our look at the current arc, the Ahsoka arc happening on uh, Clone Wars at Disney+. Plus. Also, iHeart, TuneIn, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere you can find podcasts, you'll find us here at Rebel Force Radio. Big, big, huge thanks to Ashley Eckstein for taking the time out and being with us this week love on Ashley. RFR. We love Ashley. She's amazing. So please uh, check out her new book coming out in just a couple of weeks, A Little Golden Book. 
by Ashley Eckstein in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, Jimmy uh, said, it's hey, called, yeah, just look for the cover. I'll let her. You know, Pat, she's, Ahsoka's on the cover. I, I wrote down the name of it, Jason, because I know you were. Right. I am Padawan. Padawan and I, I am a Padawan, or I am Padawan. I am a Padawan. That's it. Check it out. All right, we'll see you next time. Love you all so much. Stay safe out there. Stay healthy. For Rebel Force Radio, I'm Jason. I'm Jimmy Mack. The Force will be with you. And remember. Always.